I think games offer a unique opportunity as a medium to create experiences that really invite the player to bring their own experience and therefore their own interpretation to the game. It's about expanding the spectrum of what video game can provide as, as a medium. We thought if we would be able to help to grow this medium, we need to present to the world that games can be about these feelings. They can provide these emotions. I had read The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand, and I enjoyed it. It certainly made an interesting impression on me. The goal was, at the beginning, it's like, let's take these notions of, these philosophical notions, and put them in a world where things can go off track, potentially. An odd world was always supposed to be this sort of dark side of globalization reflecting the real world. I think gaming is unlike any other medium in the sense that you can engage an individual's undivided attention for hours at a time and embody the main character, making choices, taking action. I mean, this is, this is what makes gaming such a powerful medium. It's a tool through which you can see the world through another person's eyes. Greetings ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Interactive Artistry, dedicated to showcasing and celebrating the work of creators who are on the forefront of adding emotional, psychological, intellectual and philosophical depth, dimensions and maturity to the interactive medium, also known as games. I am your regular host Albert, and today I am joined by my co-host. Please introduce yourself, Daniele. Hello everyone, and uh, I'm really glad to be here. I'm really excited about this podcast because... We've been doing the That's Trending podcast. You should check it out if you haven't. Mm. And um, it's been really good so far. And uh, expanding it to the whole interactive interactive artistry is just great. Yeah, just doing essentially what we're doing with Death Stranding, but just for a whole host of titles that allow us to kind of express and go into the depths that we do on that show, but for uh, a host of other games as well, because this this medium, as I've you know alluded to, and as all of us, I'm sure, have taken a moment on the previous episodes of Death Stranding podcast to kind of point out that it is it is so rich and, and it's so vast and um, wide-spanning, and it's got the widest spectrum of, of any kind of um, you know medium, I feel. Um, but anyway, I'll crack on with the rest of the intro. So one sec, that's really good. Cool. So yeah, well, so good to have you on the show, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, for sure. I'll just uh, uh, continue the kind of spiel of the you know the intro. So um, through interactive artistry and all its other title-specific shows, including Death Stranding podcast, our mission is to create a dedicated space for extending this unique medium, the respect, dignity, and legitimacy as a creative and storytelling powerhouse that it rightly deserves. Far from being just an outlet for distraction, recreation, or competition, games are a true art form, unlike any other. The only one, in fact, that, like life itself, is an interactive experience. This unique aspect gives them the potential for unprecedented levels of intimacy, resonating with the very core of what it means to be human. In short, we believe games are the most worthwhile and effective form of art and entertainment ever, and every week on this show, we chronicle their growth in the form of news, breakdowns, analyses, and more. With that regular rundown out of the way, let's get the show started. Fantastic. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it has it has begun. <laughs> yeah, well, can't believe it. For sure. I'm re I'm really stoked about it. And as I was sort of um uh as we were both just riffing about a moment ago, this this medium really does um uh, whole wholeheartedly deserve um, just an outlet that again you know what like I'm sure there's there's been many other uh, instances of uh, and premises of, of people's shows and then also segments that that really highlight um, 
where this medium is going in terms of its growth and deepening its emotional, psychological, intellectual, cerebral kind of resonance, uh, and, and also spiritual kind of aspects as well are deepening always. It's such a rapidly growing um, uh, a medium, and, uh, and yet it's also expanding into areas, for me personally, artistically and creatively, that I've not experienced in any other medium. Um, so it's really unique and exciting time. So yeah, that's kind of my initial opening riff about it. How about you, Daniela? Yeah, um, what you said about games is that um, it's really interesting. I mean, it's um, it's a new form of medium which is really um, growing up really fast, yeah. uh, especially through the last decade or so. Uh, when 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 now now we have the technology to make great games, great looking games, deep stories, open worlds. Um, as a developer, I think you can really you really have a chance to. Um, Tell your story. Tell your uh, yeah. the, what you want to say. You can you can say it now. Mm. Uh, it wasn't like this like 20 years ago when you had very uh, many limitations. Yeah. But now I mean. The sky's the limit. <laughs> it's definitely wide open now, uh, from that creative point of view. And and as as I sort of mentioned at the top of the show, it's um it's a medium that really does have the potential. It's still growing, as 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 I've said and as you just said, man. Um, but it really does have the potential just in that shared aspect that it has with life itself. Like that's kind of really, if we were to sort of open up the chest of interactive artistry and look at its heart in, 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 in that sort of where you'd find that ear and what would be there would be this, this connection that games share with life itself. And I've included some of um, the, uh, some folks from, you know, these development teams that have, um, and like creative like leads, um, like such as Neil Druckmann and Genova Chen and uh, Lorne Lanning, um, um, Tamim Antoniades of uh, Hellblade and Ninja Theory. Yeah. Um, I've included uh, a couple of their quotes at the start of the show and to close it out actually because I couldn't help myself. I might change it later, but um, to close this show out, I've got Corey Barlog. Um, and uh, yeah, you see, Ninja yeah. Theory is really a great example because. Yeah. Uh, they're an indie developer, so they have limited resources, economic resources, and still they managed to make their own game the way they wanted. Absolutely. And uh, that is fantastic. I mean, even if you're not backed by a huge corporation nowadays, you can still make your thing. You can still say what you have to say. Absolutely. And that is just great. Absolutely. And that, as you just mentioned, it's, it's something that... Um, I find that there are just a, a few more obstacles in other mediums. There are definitely obstacles within gaming. Oh my gosh, uh, you know, definitely like sitting down to design a level is so much harder <laughs> um, and just more time consuming than, let's say, you know, pulling out a camera and filming on an iPhone. But the dividends um, in terms of the, the, as you said, the subject matters that can be explored and the, the sights and sounds that can be portrayed, um, there's no comparison uh, between. So there's this... Um, really interesting uh, dynamic of, of uh, you know, taking a bit f more time on the sort of dev side, but with the end goal of something that really does have the potential of being unprecedented that you couldn't just have just by whipping your iPhone out or um, or, or essentially what, you know, music, TV, um, um, all these, you know, other mediums um, have sort of covered already. And it's what it, what's also great is I'm noticing, like, for example, with Quantum Break, which was, I think, experimental, but we're seeing these uh, existing mediums sort of dance and play and, and interact with and, and be enhanced by in, in many ways um, 
by uh, games and by interactive uh, medium. Like for example, Shadow of War. You know, um, they yeah yeah exactly. So that again was so. And let's even say you know this is also veering into the realm of like comics and stuff. But the the Arkham series. You know, they took something that like was pre-existing with uh, you know media that was pretty firmly established in other kind of uh, areas like with you know mostly film and TV and then comics and then with its own energy with its own kind of um, uh, tone and everything tonality uh, it um, sort of came into its own into the, in this uh, sphere in, in this medium um, and everything is like equal and, and they actually support each other and like Gotham is happening at the same time the TV series nothing is cannibalizing itself and so it's not even the like the growth of the medium isn't really even interfering with the others. It's just it's it's being aided by and assisting, you know. Uh, it's all kind of like helping helping itself, you know. This kind of all this um, avenues for art and entertainment. So, did you have any riffs on that? Yeah, I mean, um, that, that, that's that's another another great thing. I mean, you as a young medium, of course, you start from pre-existence, uh, pre-existent universes, and then you expand on your own. Um, we've seen, for example, um, yeah, Batman, as you, as you mentioned, mm. Arkham Knight. And, uh, when, when I was, when I was really young, I mean, in 2002, 2003, I remember there were, uh, a lot of, uh, games, uh, based on movies that came out, for example, the Lord of the Rings yeah. games, uh, the Harry Potter games, they were all based on a movie. Hmm. And um, and then comes Shadow of War today. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's something that expanded on its own and made its own thing. I mean, you can't find. Um, I mean, you can't find the um, the story of Lord of the Rings, Tau- mm. uh, written of the King, the video game in the book or in the movie. Of course. But yeah. you can't find the story of Shadow of Mordor or Shadow of War anywhere else. That's so, true, yeah. and and it also in the way that it's told, and as you'll hear, and I was mentioning, like I've got a few closing quotes for these episodes. You know, with Corey Ball, I, got, I have him discussing, um, uh, you know, narrative there, but I also have this interview, sort of clips from it, uh, with Neil Druckmann, where he says, like, I leverage the interactivity. We can use the aspect of that we are there inputting and experiencing what the player, experiencing what the character is experiencing to, to deepen our connection to the story, to the narrative, um, to that character growth. And, and you couldn't experience what Shadow of War and its sequel kind of presents um, you know, outside of uh, outside of the medium, it's very uniquely about you know these this this interplay between like with the nemesis system, you know this this evolving story, you know, um, which heavily kind of emphasizes a bit like Metal Gear Solid Five that you're kind of telling your own tale, experiencing your own kind of um, story and sort of forging your own path through that narrative in that world. Um, and then what I wanted to say is, um, you know. And I was, you know, we were talking about how, like, not only have these games, uh, these interactive experiences sort of, as you really eloquently put, like, come into their own and found their own niche. Not only that, but, like, we're seeing, you know, Ken Levine, uh, this kind of vaunted and, like, celebrated uh, and, like, masterclass uh, developer and creative behind the Bioshock series. Just literally, I remember reading in the Game Informer, you know, where he said, like, I was so swept off and uh, taken aback by where um, 
Shadow of War went with its nemesis system, and it kicked off literally. You know, he's he's been he hasn't been shy about saying like it really just like uh, galvanized um, and catalyzed this uh, his own studio in the direction of his new game. Which, if you look at it at the moment, he's saying he sort of references like Civilization and, and these other things, but the main like these games, you know, the RTS and stuff with branching narratives. But his I was sort of reviewing one of his um, uh, one of his sort of um, presentations recently and he references shadow of war he says i want to build on what kind of this brought us so uh, to, to sort of expand this concept all the way out and see this evolving narrative that you can return to and have it dynamically change every time you turn on your console which is so exciting i mean yeah what do you think of that uh, daniela yeah again um i i love ken levin's works um i mean bioshock and bioshock infinite are among are two of my favorite games and uh, I'd play them over and over again. Yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah, I, I have. So I'm a... really, really glad he he feels that way. He feels um, influenced by other 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 things in the among the medium. And um, yeah, and that's powerful. And for, this is you know for like an off yeah. type thing for like a an adaptation quote unquote to put it like reductively or whatever. That's what, how it used to be of like oh well you know this is coming off of the films or off of the the existing IP. No no this not only struck out and made its identity. It's actually really added to the wider conversation of the growth of the medium. It's like whoa you know that's great. But you yeah, know what what I also think is um, Grand Theft Auto series uh, is the is the is the series that basically mainstreamed the open world games hmm. and um we've seen it um we've seen a lot of uh quote-unquote copycats in the wild yeah. in the last decades but um recently i haven't played breath of the wild yet but uh, i plan to do that hmm. but they told me it sets a new standard for the open world games hmm. because it really never feels empty and yeah. that's something open world games have been trying to do for a long time. So they took the idea that um, we can say Rockstar Games uh, mainstreamed and made it better. So improved on that. Yeah. And yeah, that's fantastic. Mm, I agree. And, and I'll add a little bit to what you mentioned about Breath of the Wild. Like, um, you know, one thing when sort of shaping this channel and shaping this kind of endeavor of interactive artistry, uh, where I kind of came up against what I'm sure Jeff Keighley in his own way uh, came up against, which is, so I want to really highlight these aspects of the medium that really do, um, you know, uh, point to its growth in all these, um, um, you know, aspects that kind of speak to one another, like these aspects of um, psychology and like, uh, you know, enhancing the and deepening the sort of philosophical content and the cultural references and the intellectually stimulating and, and, and emotionally engaging um, kind of content as well. So I was like, um, as I'm sure maybe he may have encountered, like, do we just take the Detroits and the, you know, Detroit book Beyond Humans and the super emotional, like, um, almost you could say like the Oscar kind of um, leaning things, uh, the, the, like, you know, and and like Last of Us, do we focus just on these like games? And really, it's um it's something really kind of really tantalizingly and excitingly unique about this is that we aren't just going to be examining those. We're going to be looking at what even even like parts of a game do for for furthering the medium. So using Breath of the Wild for an example, like I agree, like when we did our predictions show for Death Running podcast with TGA, it absolutely felt like an evolution 
of the medium. It didn't, obviously, because I think partly because it was a little bit tethered to the the Wii, the Wii U rather. It kind of had to. It, it was it was said for 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 a long time that it would be coming out on both. So aesthetically, it just chose an art style which was beautiful and complementary, but obviously not doing anything too crazy um uh you know with like horizon zero dawn level thing yeah and sure I, and i think that worked <laughs> that worked to its to its benefit because it allowed um you know wider environments and 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 working with the you know that that premise of needing to be shared with this kind of older console that's totally fine and again despite that what could be called a little bit maybe crudely or uh, again reductively i don't mean to but what could be called despite that Im- impediment really of being tied to that old generation look at TGA look at like the Oscars of gaming how it, how we recognize it how we celebrated how it pushed things and i still maintain that like i got like a little bit playfully angry not in any serious way i was like you all of you vote for this now because this game bottled and poured out and shared with us a vision and an experience of pure adventure and childlike wonder which is a form of expansion it's not just about you know the you know it's it, it's about all it's about the expanding and enhancing and um and growth of all aspects whether it's the fun aspects or the serious aspects of all these different kind of to- um uh, you know anything that makes up a game anything that's sort of really um forging new ground and, and as i as i call it being on that forefront um i that's like interactive artistry again at its heart so what did you reckon of, of that like the um how how so you know really leveraging and, and like harnessing the spectrum of what gaming presents us in this interactive medium presents us are you pretty stoked about covering all of that kind of stuff on the show sure i mean um do you remember 10 years ago it was um when it talked about games uh, yeah. hardcore gaming it was mostly if not all about graphics yes so about the graphic fidelity yes um now things are really changing because yeah. nintendo is being mocked for two generations because they had the least powerful console but now people see that they are selling a lot of switches. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, so, so that changed. And they released uh, two games, uh, Mario Odyssey and Zelda: Breath of the Wild, I which know. are not uh, graphics powerhouses, but still managed to um, be in the list for the game of the year. Oh, so that that makes me think. I mean, that wouldn't have happened ten years ago, maybe. No. Um, yeah. You know, and there had there had been that shift between being so focused on the aesthetics, but yeah, go on. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, um, of course, it was um, um, the graphics were rapidly evolving back then. So of course, people were paying more attention to those. Um, but um, but now people are realizing there's more to games. Uh, there's way more to games uh, than uh, just graphics, aesthetics. And uh, even gameplay. I mean, hey guys. they're seeing oh, more, have, uh, more have, layers to them. We have, we have. Sorry to interrupt you. We have someone coming in. Who is, who's this? <laughs> I'm, I'm Francesco. I found the. Uh, Ma Francesco, ma vieni, vieni. <laughs> Come on in. It's a big All old, right. it's a big old Italian fest. Uh, we, we were just in the middle of the episode. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. That's good. What about you? Fantastic! Oh, it's so cool to hear. Like, is sono bene, yeah. By the way, listeners, um, all three of us, like, completely out of like zero planning, like for planning or whatever, is like we're we're all Italian. It's crazy. (laughs) It's kind of interesting, you know. Uh, Daniela as well. Sepito's title will be Little Italy. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. With like little like a a forethought or, or like you know forward. No forward planning at all, of, of you know. And I wanted to say, Francesco, if you could put your volume up just a little bit more, so I can hear you a bit better. 
Yes. Try. I think we should be in business. Okay. Just say something. Can you hear me now? A little bit better. Just put it like a, a couple more up, if that's possible. I think that this is the maximum. That is the maximum, uh -huh. and that sounds perfect. You voce bellissimo. You have a fantastic voice. <laughs> thank you thank you very much very good okay so yeah listeners um uh we sort of at the top of the show we kind of i mentioned my uh co-host for today daniele but um what's great is that again the sort of nature of the show we can have we have a sort of rotating group of guests and uh, i would like to formally introduce francesco this is his first uh yeah sort of on air so to speak on recording um uh, appearance so please introduce yourself uh francesco hi everyone uh first of all Thank you for having me today. It's very exciting to be to be part of this uh, of this show. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I think it's just a, a great idea to to do something something like this. And I, I hope that the, the audience uh, will uh, will appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that, man. Absolutely. Um, just to sort of throw you the same kind of uh, space and just to give you that same kind of moment if you wanted to to explore what your personal kind of relationship with with, with uh, this medium was and what sort of Danielle and I were covering was um, just like uh, basically getting to the core of like as I as I put it earlier, like what's at the heart of the show? Like if you open interactive artistry, like the chest of interactive artistry, what will you see? And for me, it's that the fact that like games, unlike any other medium, share the interactive aspect with like our own lives itself, which creates this p potential for like meta commentary and um, like the feeling experiences to their deepest depths that um, we only ever really experience in like waking life. And um, and games, because of that interactive aspect, really do have the potential of of being the most effective. Um, and uh, emotionally resonant and, and stimulating, um, intellectually stimulating and uh, cerebrally engaging and all of these, it has the potential of being a, the most effective for me personally um, uh, form, like art form out there. So I wanted to just throw that to you and say, uh, and just sort of get a bead on when, on where you're at in terms of uh, um, how how uh, interactive art, uh, yeah, how, how like your relationship with it. Go, go right ahead. Um, yeah, I agree what you said, uh, I think that video games have uh, developed in such a way that nowadays uh, they're even more uh, um, complex than movies, for example, because mm. movies, we know they are the, um, uh, they, they are, uh, they are the comp uh, completion of every art. Uh, we have photography, we have, uh, we have uh, painting, for example, we have sound. But in video games, uh, I think that uh, uh, I was just playing just playing Hellblade, for example, yesterday. Beautiful game. And uh, that game gave me the sensation that it was more than a movie because I was in the game. That was my story. Yeah. I was. I wasn't just a, a spectator of uh, of the story. Hmm. So. And you, and you felt what she felt, you know. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Then, of course, with gaming, you can uh, you can uh, break the fourth wall in ways that in movies you can't, mm. uh, and it's uh, that's something that I really like in uh, in games, uh, uh, putting the uh, the player in the game. Mm. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, a little sh mini shout out, by the way, to Melina Jurgens, who won the Best, Pe Best Performance Award at the Game Awards, which is essentially the Oscar equivalent. Although we sort of touched on the show before and how personally, again, you know, I wouldn't put it quite how Joseph put it from a way out, <laughs> you know, saying like, fuck the Oscars and stuff. But I will say <laughs> they are they are very thoroughly different uh, in, in terms of and I, I, I personally, again, you know, to each their own. But for me, gaming, the, just the spectrum, we can go from anything from like job simulator which is very like surreal and kind of janky with that you know um, you know like I, we celebrate those games too everything in between everything from uh job or like holiday simulator as was recently announced all the way through to um um yeah something like the last of us which is showing these even like you thought that the last of us part one was you know had these deeper existential uh and also super violent but again violence to a narrative end um aspects like we're seeing growth in all of these areas so but i have to agree with you francesco like we have seen gaming evolve we were actually just as you were just as you came onto the show we were talking about how um for a while it did seem like they were just sort of hammering away at like getting the most beautiful looking games and aesthetics was so important and you know a pathway that like gaming has gone down is to kind of keep pushing that with um, what we're seeing with Last of Us, for example, and also Horizon Zero Dawn and Death Stranding. They really want to up that fidelity and continue there. But then we were saying, look, hey, we are in the year of Nintendo Switch. We just witnessed these this powerhouse of like very like it's quite an old uh, company, you know, Nintendo reinventing itself um, and diving into rediscovering and re-expressing to younger audiences and then to older audiences um you know um existing uh player player base as well just really reminding us hey you know we can we can express the notion of adventure in a in a in a more full in a more full and complete way than has ever been done and i really feel like you know my way of putting it with with those two main games you know mario and uh, zelda is that when i was playing i got i probably more emotional than any other game this year and i want to ask both of you what your most like like deeply moving and like thing that got right to the core of your being i want to ask what what that was for each of you but and i loved horizon so much but with like i had to take moments that i had to pause when playing uh breath of the wild because i just felt like this is what i remember ocarina being this is the full expression of what ocarina was only uh like sort of encased in this charming and like endearing but pretty limited technologically kind of shell of like polygons in, in the 64 era and same with mario odyssey it's like there's these fulfillments and again we celebrate the expansion and the enhancement and growth of all aspects of games here so i uh, actually we'll do it right now so uh, francesco what was we're at the end of the year so what was your most kind of um resonant uh experience with interactive art uh, this year um my most beautiful experience this year was a uh, prey that mm. I consider my my personal game of the year. Oh. Um, it brought me back to the to the days of System Shock, uh, or maybe the the first Bioshock. Yeah. Um, uh, or e even Half Life in some, oh, way, yeah, in some way. Mm -hmm. And Dishonored. A little um, bit, yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, the the old uh, the old style gameplay, also the um, the mute protagonist, almost mute protagonist, uh, really put me into the game. That was my story. I have I had uh, uh, almost limitless tools for, to um, 
to to explore the gameplay, to to defeat enemies, to and then there was the the level design that was uh, something something out of of this world, my opinion. Arcane Studios, they are they are the best in uh, in that sector. Yeah, definitely. Um, yes. Then uh, there is uh, Hellblade, but Hellblade uh, uh, it was just for the story. Yeah. Because the, uh, of course the gameplay couldn't couldn't be. Uh, as beautiful as prey for uh, a lot of obvi- obvious reasons. Yeah, that's fine. So, I think prey was uh, my most uh, immersive and beautiful experience this year. No, for sure, totally agreed. Yeah, um, and I'll circle around to my one later, but I'll throw it to you, uh, Daniela. What was like again? I I just put it in that sort of broad term. You know, either whether it was something that you brought you great joy, that essentially that you responded to and resonated with the most, uh, intellectually stimulating, cerebrally engaging, all these things. Um, what what was that game for you this year? This year, um, well, I think it was Horizon Zero Dawn because, mm. um. I really expected a regular story for it, and um, it really surprised me with the depth uh, that he has um, story-wise. And uh, yeah, and I mean, again, it was uh, an open world, a really rich open world, Mm. and uh, so I was really glad about that. And then again, just the story was amazing. Uh, I also bought the expansion, I almost finished it now. Nice. Uh, So really, really great game. Absolutely. And again, this feels like, let's say, for example, we all grew up together in Italy. This is just hypothetical. You and me and Francesco are just like talking in some cobblestone street. Wouldn't it be great? This is 1999, by the way. Wouldn't it be great one day, ragazzi, wouldn't it be great to one day play a game where it's completely photoreal, gigantic, phenomenal, like, you know, uh, all like particle effects, all these things, um, you know, playing in like this place where there are, you know, dinosaur robots but really beautiful dinosaur robots and um uh, i always maybe it makes me a bit daggy and a bit sappy but i always i can maybe be seen as a little bit of like a a luddite that way and um i'm sure a a couple of millennial people are like look at this grandma tattooed grandma dude getting so impressed by like anti-aliasing not being there like you know what i mean like um with what we've discussed on, on the Stranding podcast, like I, I, I just tend to keep this sort of flame of just pure unjadedness and fascination alive. I need to. It's it's something really important for me with this, with interactive artistry, like on the kind of more uh, personal level. It's it's gonna it's proving to be an avenue of, of keeping that aspect of just being forever fascinated and forever engaged and, and like letting my imagination get swept off um, by what this medium is doing. It, it is. Yeah, if you open, you know, I say about opening the chest of interactive artistry. If you looked in my chest, you would see the the, the connection with this medium and and why I feel as though, um, you know, this uh, endeavor is meritorious and that it, uh, and that there's a basis and and um in in wanting to kind of take this angle and and see this um, medium through this lens and with this approach. Um, and in fact, we've been. I just have to say it now. Um, we've just right before the show, we got a new patron. We have Stephen, uh, who jumped on the $15 tier, which with at the moment we have uh, Interactive Artistry Patreon is um, is Death Stranding themed, and so the $15 tier will get him the Bridges pin, which I've been sort of teasing on all of Interactive Artistry and Death Stranding podcast kind of outlets. Very nice pin, um, and then you know the ability to pop on the show uh, twice a month if he wants to, and again he enters sort of all these giveaways and stuff. But again, 
I'm just addressing you directly, Steve, listening now, if you are, um, I sent you a message as well. Once again, I, you know, as I just mentioned, you know, that's why it was triggered really for me to bring you up is that I was just discussing at the, at the core, like why, why I, um, why I've sort of struck out, uh, into the world with this endeavor and wanting to share this, um, to, to know that there are folks like you who resonate enough with this medium, um, and and the an endeavor like this, which all all that we are all that we're doing is it's writing itself. This show is, <laughs> I said this on this training podcast, it's creating itself. Like I'm just a conduit for for this medium to to get this um to to be given this um this lens, this this uh, different approach than just seeing it as entertainment or or exclusively as entertainment or distraction uh, or recreation. Um, for me, your sort of uh, yeah, like your like your contribution to us really speaks to that and and it we, we we channel it straight towards that and because of that like you're not just a patreon supporter you're like a kindred spirit to me so yeah thank you so much um did you want to say anything to steven uh daniele uh, oh yes yeah. sorry i, I had okay. my mic muted That's and okay. i forgot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's on he's on good mutant muting duty yeah go ahead yeah oh the quality of the show uh, <laughs> hilarious yeah i mean Thank you so much, Stephen, for the for the support, and uh, yeah, I hope we deserve that. Um, yeah, oh. that's that's what I hope. I mean, uh, if I people hope. like us, uh, as looks like they do, um, nice, yeah. it's always great to see. It's always great to see people um, able to support you and willingly yeah. doing so. Absolutely, yeah, and not just even like on a dollar tier. Like he, he, I would have been just just as like celebratory of him with it, with anything, but like that 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 particularly at that yeah tier, that's just so great so um i just wanted to say that to, to steve as well and um, francesco did you have anything for steve this guy he just randomly i don't know i decided uh, hey yeah yeah go <laughs> uh yeah thank you thank you so much steven i hope uh, you are the first of many that yeah. will, uh, will join us uh, <laughs> thank you on this uh this amazing adventure and um yeah yeah it's all it's always uh good to see people supporting you for uh, this kind of projects that I think that I uh, think require a lot of work, mm. a lot of uh, sacrifice sometimes. But uh, mm. when things like this happen, it's always good. Thank you. No, oh, absolutely. Cheers, um, Francesco, for that. And as as um, as you've both so uh, wonderfully put and eloquently put, like I hope you deserve it, and um, I do hope to have uh, not necessarily like you know just as in like you know support it as as you may if 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 it's all about like reflecting your level of resonance um with with this medium and its growth and everything if that comes in the form of supporting us wonderful if it comes in the form of liking a video or viewing it or sharing it please um take those paths as well just know that you're very kindred and in extremely appreciated for doing so all, all of you listening now wonderful okay now i've gotten all uh, sappy uh would you guys like me to kind of go over the um structure of of the show going out um from here into the future episodes and like beyond yeah sure yeah, awesome sure. fantastic yeah, so, sure. yeah yeah absolutely um yeah a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> channel, yeah sorry <laughs> take Please. little italian breaks um <laughs> It's cool to actually have Italian friends again. I can practice not on air, on air. It won't just it, like just randomly turn into like Italian 101. Um, so we have our weekly catch up, yeah. which yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, weekly catch up, which you know we kind of been sort of um, just you know uh, leaving the meter off, whatever, just like going as as long as we wanted to with uh, with intros and stuff. Usually, uh, yeah. So each of us riffs about the medium and stuff like that, you know, and, and where we're at and like our vibe with it that week or whatever. Um, then we have housekeeping. So uh, with this 
on this uh, instance, I, like the housekeeping thing is essentially as I'm doing, explaining the structure of the show. Um, and then we'll have news after that. So, um, and the news will be for a handful of about five or so titles where the kind of, um, and, and obviously on the medium itself, the growth uh, of the medium itself, anything that's making strides with that, be it like TED Talks or um, new discussions with relation to gaming being recognized in other fields and like, uh, you know, again, you know, I'm sure all of you um, respect the intelligence of all listeners now that I'm sure that you know that when something is uh, comes up where the medium is being honored in the way and in a, in a way that resonates with um, with what we're doing here, with our angle into it, uh, we'll absolutely be discussing it here um uh in that in that capacity as well whether whether it's um the medium being discussed in other spheres uh you know either films tv um or more you know um anything where we can again just that's kind of our unifying thing is we'll we'll be reporting on, on the sort of growth of the of the medium not just uh what particular devs and games are adding these uh, adding to these forefronts of uh, emotional maturity and um like intellectual engagement and and yeah as i've as i've been saying and like spiritual resonance i'll be um i'll be looking at all that as well but we do want to kind of orbit and stay consistent and we've chosen about five or six games um and this is all based on an exercise i did within the skype group kind of green room where i asked all of our co-hosts to just say what are those games like we know our we know our core we know what interactive artistry is it is about um showcasing those games on that forefront of adding these extra levels of maturity and um uh, and spectrum to to the medium um and and again just it growing growing it in all ways and that's why i mentioned like things like breath of the wild and mario and stuff it's uh about like how how this medium is uh is you know making strides in creatively psychologically philosophically all these things you know and what we came up with we sort of cross-referenced i'm fairly sure leading the pack is god of war <laughs> um yeah i think we we, we yeah. did pretty well with that we red dead redemption 2 came up a lot as well um then we had the last of us part two so those uh, were the, the three kind of front runners of you know, we want to consider this show in many ways like kind of um, a show that really is about those games as well, because we can say that we uh, have this angle and uh, uh, and like wanting to sort of um, highlight and, and showcase games in this way. But what I really think is just to make sure that the conversation stays focused and that we have a um, sort of a guideline for discussion um, to have sort of a handful of titles is, is important for me. I think after those three, um, I would have myself personally beyond good and evil too uh, for, for for where that's heading and um and and w with what that promises to, to to bring i mean did you guys see that gosh uh daniele francesco did you guys see that um tech demo of like zooming out from like outer space and all the way to the planet did you guys see that yeah it's, yes yeah yeah it was amazing what the hell and and like michelle and cell like represent what the like that's phenomenal i really yeah, go. i really hope that uh, beyond good and evil 2 will uh, will do what no man's sky couldn't yes. do yeah because uh, yeah of course uh, michel ancel is a, a very skilled developer he has behind him yes ubisoft that is a a, a huge company mm. uh, yeah so i Based on that live stream that they did right after E3, I think yeah. um, it was uh, it was amazing. It was 
like yeah. a dream coming true. I really hope that uh, they will keep the uh, the promises. I think so. I think it will. I mean, you saw like they got so like Michelle like like he he teared up on on ta- on stage like, you know, he's a pretty kind of stoic kind of, you know, like like he 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 is in this position of leadership where he has to kind of rein things in and stay composed. But just the fact that he just in that moment of being on stage he couldn't really sort of hold back tears um really speaks to how grateful he is to have been given this opportunity and you know like Asian Dub Foundation like. <laughs> that entire trailer is just dripping with with style but then you know at the end you've got these references to like um hinduism um and the, the, I, th- I believe it's uh there's some like writing and stuff all around that again one thing we celebrate a lot here and that we've sort of done a bit in death stranding podcasts is any of the ways in which gaming sets you off on these fetch quests so to speak of knowledge of um i would i, I once used to say um and I'll, I'll still say it now that gaming can absolutely be a platform for uh self self-learning and 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 you know by dropping all these references to like maybe literature or uh, you know for example people discovered ayn rand through bioshock you know um and you know the fountainhead and um uh like what people what devs incorporate as like like um central aspect of the game not just sort of thematic influences when when that uh is imparted in a way that leverages that uh, interactivity like People discovered um, Cormac McCarthy, The Road, through The Last of Us. And that's still, to this day, I don't think I've read a novel uh, that resonated with me more, you know? Um, uh, it's it's still, like, the, probably the last kind of major novel that I've read. So um, Last of Us was part of that discussion. I think the film as well with Vigo was, was really great. Um, well, actually, I want to do a quick little roundtable with that. What is an instance for you guys where a game has sort of set you off on this kind of... Um, <laughs> we cover a bit of this in Kojima. He's done this for many times. But what's an example um, of a game that kind of made you want to d- delve deeper into a particular subject just because it was referenced um, uh, in the game? So let's go, Francesco. Go. For me, it was Bioshock. Mm. Um, thanks to Bioshock, I I I knew a, a genre, a literary genre. Yeah. Um, the dystopian genre with Orwell and all the other authors, mm. and um, um, Bioshock really, uh, really uh, made me uh, think that I wanted to to read more, to know more about uh, about uh, these stories, and uh, mm. and um, also Bioshock helped me to understand a lot of things in real life, a lot of, uh, for example. Uh, politics, uh, yeah. society, free will. You yeah, know? yeah the, the... it was. Um, it's such a great game. It's. Uh, yeah. It's some. It's an experience that I will. I will never forget. Beautiful. All the three Bioshock, because even Bioshock Two, I liked it. No, absolutely, and and yeah, that that you know by going into the, uh, you know, stepping into the. The, the the big daddy role to kind of explore that very poignant aspect of you know the big daddy's little sisters that's absolutely definitely worthwhile how about you um but yeah thank you for that francesco um how about you daniele yeah i have to go with bioshock as well because um <laughs> Ken, same Ken, as francesco the... i did i didn't yeah. know even i didn't even know the concept of dystopia yeah and uh, yeah so that that uh resonates me resonates with me as well um Another one was um, Assassin's Creed, the first oh, one, of course. yeah, because it was um, was the first um, historically accurate game yeah. that really tried to replicate the uh, Jerusalem of the time, mm. and um, 
that really set me on uh, researching on the assassins um yeah brotherhood and and the novel yeah, that was based really on you know Alamut. see how that yeah yeah there was a novel that was based on i think it was called alamut and it was about this kind of i think it was about i'm i really do implore the listeners to correct me if i've got this wrong but like this uh Hashashin kind of like assassin guy who like started this it, it's basically the, you look it up it's like the, the one of the main inspirations for for the assassin's creed and i had no knowledge of that novel prior but sorry to cut you off go ahead daniele yeah that, that's what i had to say i mean uh, really uh... Uh, really games that made me uh, want to know more about stuff that yeah. these are the two I mean because that that's when I also started gaming basically basically uh, gaming seriously so um, that was the moment um, that's awesome. and I had these two games on my hands <laughs> yeah I mean that's tw- that's 2007 that was Daniela brace yourself that was 10 years ago <laughs> yeah i know i know i think about this sometimes it's crazy oh. right yeah absolutely also i i really didn't mean to like if i interrupted you or anything please if you wanted to add anything um to to what you to, to what you sort of presented uh daniela um at all um with either of those or, or would you like me is that okay if i can jump ahead jump in no, no, you can you can go ahead. Awesome, fantastic. So this is I'm I'm gonna go long on this one, guys. I, again, this is one of the things that um, if I fail for whatever reason in explaining to someone new about the worthwhileness of the medium and and that how how effectively it it is has the potential to be able to portray and and put you again in 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 the in the sort of in the in the shoes of the of these characters that you you know um, connecting you with the emotional journey and the psychological uh, journey and, and spiritual growth uh, of of many of these games, for example, using Journey, for example. Um, if when I fail at that, um, I, I, I'm basically trying to say that like again, that the, the beating heart of of interactive artistry, like 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 life itself, gaming is unique in that it, it is able to leverage that that connection to something that you know music isn't like that, games aren't uh, sorry, um, uh, TV isn't like that, films aren't like that. They they don't share that intrinsic aspect and and you know, so when that conversation doesn't like resonate or click, that's fine. What I I tend to say is like at the very least the way the like the direction of gaming in is 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 serves as this amazing platform like the for for self discovery and for um deeper academic uh inquiry as well so everything from for example like in the earliest uh final fantasy games we had the names of the um guardian forces or the you know summonable monsters like ifrit and shiva and bahamut and these are all um these are all ex- extant kind of, you know, uh, references to uh, different cultures like Norse myth and, uh, you know, Buddha- Buddhism and, and, and different kinds of mythology. Um, you know, demonology as well. I, you know, you were saying Assassin's Creed. I, I think, you know, um, Wikipedia owes a lot of its uh, website hits of like ele- the year 1191, the Jer- Jerusalem Crusades. I can speak somewhat informally about uh, those those crusades now because of Assassin's Creed, you know. Um, and then Francesco, I'll just throw this to you. Like you saw how, like particularly with Italy in um, and like these these cities, how they were represented in Assassin's Creed 2. What did you think, um, you know, being someone from Italy, of how it was portrayed in Assassin's Creed 2, Francesco? Um, I was very proud of that. Yeah. To, to see to see a AAA game portraying Italy, mm. that that period of uh, Italian history, uh, so well. And 
I, to me, it was all familiar. I, I, I knew many of the things that were represented in Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood. Yeah. But uh, I, I think that uh, for someone, for example, like you from Australia, from uh, yeah. other countries of the world, uh, it was um, a way to discover uh, a period of history in a, in, a, in, a, in a place that maybe they didn't know at, at, at all. Mm. Or they had just uh, listened something about it, just listened rumors or, or bits of, of information. And Assassin's Creed really gave uh, not the best uh, um, uh, historical uh, portrait of, of Italy at, at that moment, but mm. it, was, uh, it was something uh, useful for, for people who wanted to know more about uh, it. Was. About, um, yes, about the, the time of history. Absolutely. Also, just going to do a quick mic check. I think it's just getting a bit fuzzy. Um, maybe just quickly adjust like your headset or just maybe fiddle around with the volume and just say something at any time so I can just check where your levels are at. Let's see. Go ahead, go for it. Just say anything. <laughs> now? Yep, perfect. It's, it's, like, it's, like okay. a new, it's like a new new human being. It's like a new person. You're all reborn, Francesco. Rinascimento. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, no, I, I, I absolutely agree on all points there, my friend. And then when, what we also had with, again, maybe not as received as well as, as Assassin's Creed 2, but um, again, historical, like history teaches the world over just collectively, like quietly nodded gratitude to Ubisoft for like, my students are suddenly paying attention in class when I'm talking about the French Revolution or ancient Egypt or Native American history or, you know, uh, Civil War. You know, I, I'm, you know, now that I think about it in hindsight, it's no surprise that when we think about, like, what's something that can immediately click with a person who isn't uh, interested? Uh, that's totally fine. You know, people, different strokes for different folks. People have zero interest towards games. What's one thing that you can just say that, like, this is what this medium has done for me? Um it's these uh this sort of how it catapults you into these new spheres of thinking um i can't pass this segment without referencing hideo kojima i would never have discovered uh so much existential philosophy without kojima um and also i have a, a working understanding of the cold war thanks to that game um i know weirdly about just the most obscure military acronyms <laughs> you know because of how he, he references those so <laughs> really gives you this kind of eclectic base of knowledge when you kind of um uh, tap into what gaming does that way would you know referencing god of war for example wouldn't have d dived as deeply as i've as i've done into um into Norse myth as I have or discovered Neil Gaiman's amazing book Norse mythology um, I almost feel like I'm not doing this segment enough justice there's just so much I mean yeah like Bloodborne you know H.P. Lovecraft people jumping into yeah. that for the first time through that title um, you know uh, yeah maybe someone say for example oh asking their parent or their friend oh link is what an interesting look well link he's essentially a mixture of peter pan and legolas which may send you down pathways of reading about peter pan and like uh, lord of the rings you know um yeah and i think more than like i just think that you know games that wear these influences on their sleeve um really they, they can they can bring such a 
universally understandable uh, like positive quality to gaming where again we've really transcended it as you as you put it Daniela it's no no, no longer about the as the parents in the 80s would have called it the beeps and the boops you know like beep, 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 like yeah. all they knew is their kids put, getting these quotes like oh that's why we still are still recovering from that that connotation of of time wasting of just like oh they, and and not time but also money wasting oh they just take all the quarters and they go to the arcade um so I love that we've we've grown to a point where we can we're still shaking that off a little bit, but you know, sit anyone. Yeah, it in takes pro- a while. Yeah, it takes a while to to get into main culture yeah. uh, for a new medium. Uh, I mean, it, it always been like that. Like with the with the cinema, yeah. the first movies were not mm-hmm. like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I'm just gonna use our beautiful banner art created by our phenomenal host he's not here today but um dean uh, from a death stranding podcast he put together all our aesthetics just out of his own uh you know generosity so um and we sort of riffed back and forth about banners and stuff and i'll go through it here so we have you know the third child from uh, metal gear solid uh five you know um i wouldn't definitely not have delved as deep into like uh, you know, mind control kind of stuff and like uh, experiments and like kids, which is kind of the thing. And, you know, stranger things, you know, these, uh, you know, and that's why throughout that show, there's this ESP kind of aspect of like these mind controlling children, you know, kind of thing. Then with uh, God of War, we've got Kratos and Atreus. Um, uh, you know, I've always had this resonance, maybe, maybe also spe- coming out of Star Wars, this connection to like uh, fathers and sons and that kind of story. And then to see that represented in a game, like I still tear up when I see that E3 2016 trailer of how he can like take down a, an enormous titan and yet he struggles to be a father and to pat his own son on the back like he he has he's never been fathered you know I'll I'll include include that quote um uh, at some point yeah I I may I'll you know what I'm going to give myself the challenge I will I'll include this quote here I'll just sort of cut to it now yeah I think right from the beginning we wanted to rip this whole thing up and rebuild it from scratch. Find all the things that worked. Really the things that were like, this is great, we love this, this must stay. But all the things that felt like they were not steering towards this core vision of a closer, more intimate look at Kratos' life. Like this character, the first chapter of his life really is this kind of birth of the anti-hero inside the, the era of Greek games. Like seven games, this amazing sort of introduction to this character. And just like long format television, where a character can go from one side to the polar opposite, they can be hated and loathed and then sympathized with throughout this entire sort of arc, we're doing something similar. I, I, I love the challenge of taking something like that on and making people think. We kind of had kicked around a bunch of mythologies for quite a while. We ended up in a period that is not the Viking era. It's sort of uh, before the Viking era is the migration. Mm. And then before the migration, this sort of pre-migration era, is the era we're sort of positing that the Vikings always talk about when they say the gods have abandoned us. They used to walk the earth. Odin and Loki and Thor all walked amongst with beasts and monsters. So this period of time in Scandinavia that we're at is actually this time when the gods walk the earth. Um, and kind of the visual direction, like we've, we've worked a long time kind of finding this, this idea of isolating Kratos and his son so that they're in a world where nobody is friendly. They are not going to be high-fiving a bunch of people throughout this world. This is a a world where everything is hostile, where the son is actually the only one who understands the language. Mm. So the player, playing as Kratos, experiences that kind of stranger in a strange land where 
Their kid actually has a lot of the power. They don't understand the language. The troll is speaking in ancient Norse. So it, it, the kid would actually understand what he's saying. Kratos and the player, we don't understand. So we kind of have this interesting sort of inroad to that, which I think allows us to really focus on a new dynamic with Kratos and his son. Well, you know, the when I first started researching Kratos, um, it, he obviously is a very visceral, very physical guy. Um, and looking as, at it as, as an actor, um, I hate to use the term one-dimensional, but from an emotional standpoint, um, it, it was. But so when I looked at this script, and I, I think one of the first days that we met, one of the first things I said was, like, this is like a, a, a script. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a game script. Right. It's a script. It's a fleshed out story with fleshed out characters that run the gamut of uh, full emotional ranges. And, and what really uh, touched me was Kratos um, and his struggle to uh, accept a new role to not be the same old Kratos. And so just from, from that aspect, it just, there's just so many places to go emotionally. Yeah. And, and, and acting wise, I mean, it, it's, it truly is like the role of a lifetime. He's older. He's yeah. uh, uh, kind of in that first chapter, it's kind of that, that birth of the anti-hero, but this is Kratos as he's sort of looking through life uh, uh, through a different lens, you know? Uh, and and it, for me, it, it reflects, I think, a lot of creative people when they make something, a lot of what they make is part of their own life. What they're seeing reflected back to them in their own life. And for me, I'm kind of at a different phase in my life. And that, that motivated this, like, well, that's an interesting thing. I look at the world differently now than I did when I started on God of War. Like, my, my view of the world, how I perceive characters and, and stories is totally different. And how interesting would that be if Kratos walked along that, that parallel path? He struggles. I mean, it's, a, it's the, the human part of the whole experience. Like, no matter how fantastic the, the story is, that, that you're, the setting that you're in, these sort of real human challenges of, like, another person, a, a, a tiny human, uh, uh, not listening to the words that you're saying and not understanding what you think is very simple and that frustration of, like, right. I can't let the anger out. I, got, I have to convey this information, you know? And it's also, I think, the challenge, the Kratos challenge is that how much of himself, his real self, is he going to show his kid, you know? And, and how much of his real self does he see in his kid, mm. and how much does that just crush him? Yeah, to see that. Well, I, there, there's two universals uh, uh, um, that I absolutely love. That I, I think for things to be successful and relatable, they have to have uh, commonality. They have to have themology that people can relate to. One is what changes more than having a child, more than a child, nothing, and. The second, which, I mean, how do you father when you've never been fathered? Right. You know, and trying to find that. That's really good. You know? That's great. Did you just come up with that now? I, 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 I've actually been thinking about it. God, yeah. I, we're going to pay you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the cherry on top. That is really good. How do you father when you've never been fathered, man? 
I mean, I just came up with that. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Corey Barlog talking about that. Then we have Witcher. Uh, guys, I need to do a little roundtable on Witcher 3. We really need to talk about that game. I delved so deep into Slavic mythology because of Witcher 3, you know? Um, what did each of you guys think of that game? And that's, I, I, it's a 2015 game, but it's had such long legs going into 2017, you know, having the retrospective they did, um, you know, CD Projekt Red. Uh, I'll throw it to Francesco, go. Um, what was your, what's, what's your connection to yeah, Witcher 3? To me, Witcher 3, it's the game of... of... Of the generation, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's something that uh, maybe I hope that uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven will uh, replicate what The Witcher three did. Yes, that's another. But I think one, it's very yes. difficult. Uh, and uh, it, yeah, as you said, the Slav mythology and uh, that really uh, hit me too. That uh, that passion for. Uh, uh, discovering the uh, that kind of uh, mythology and uh, also um, the the characters, the relationship between the characters, how well they were written for an open world game. Yes, and it, there are single player games, even beautiful ones, that uh, have not that kind of uh, characterization uh, that The Witcher has. Absolutely, and so, what, yeah, what a testament to the fact that, like, to how much uh, they put into the writing of that, um, to make it feel like you were speaking with these real characters. They didn't feel like fetch quests or side quests. They felt like, you know, many people have said, like yourself, Francesco, like they they connected emotionally with with some of these um, games. And again, yeah, as you said, it's a testament because it is an open world game for it to have been able to connect with people that way for sure. Definitely on the forefront of the growth of the medium, as we've been discussing here. So. Yeah, did you have anything else um, to add to that one, um, Francesco? No, that's it. Eh, no. You can go ahead. <laughs> um, that in, Ita- in, in Italian, that means, yeah, that's it, I'm done. Okay, so uh, go for it, Daniele. What was Witcher 3 for you? Witcher 3 for me, I must confess, was a game I have not finished. Oh, yeah, neither have I. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Because... Uh, <laughs> It's it's because of the genre. I mean, I'm not really too much into Western RPGs. Yeah. Um, there really have to be something uh, outstanding for me. And, and I'm sure The Witcher 3 is, but it was a bit too too slow-paced for me. Okay. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe I should try and give it another go. Yeah. Um, no, I'll, you know what I'll say? Well, I'll totally back you up on that. I'll say that compared to something like Horizon, or you know how you said, like, Western RPG, I, I'm going to make a pun now. Hey, don't don't go ahead and say that about Red Dead Redemption 2. It's sounding like it's going to be a great Western RPG. Hey, sorry. <laughs> terrible, terrible. Joke. <laughs> hey, oh sorry. I know. Like, I'll just hang up now. No, I'm kidding. No, but uh, I'll add to that. I'll, <laughs> it's okay. I'll, yeah, I'll say that, like, yeah... W- love witcher 3 with all my heart but yeah just that aspect of gear weight like if you have too much gear like it's it i really don't like the menus as well it's very it's hardcore and it's unapologetically hardcore i i i don't expect you know um cyberpunk to be any different as well i like own it like fly your fly your flag proudly of you know what we're a fucking we're an in-depth also francesco we can swear on this site it's it's fine you know (laughs) society's progressed enough yeah (laughs) That's right. Well, we can totally express it however we want. Um, yeah, this the menus. Um, when I played Horizon, I was like nudging my friends in the side. It's like, yes, this, this more like this. It's more like stripped down, um, but uh, you know, just as uh, and like more streamlined. Just the menus, but you know, 
Witcher 3 is like it's uh, as we as he put it um Francesco game of the generation in many ways just with how much he was able to pull off I still can't believe it when I boot and fire that guy up uh fire that game up and then also um Horizon as well um it it did that as well for sure so uh, as in make you believe like how how is this a real how is this really happening you know like um just the environments the the lighting of, of you know i think i think they kind of stand together which are three and horizon for sure um going across we have you know i take a big breath because uh you'll you'll hear it in in some of the music um, before and after uh, sorry particularly after the show we, i have i have a sort of a closing segment um so yeah last guardian and Ico and fumito ueda in general um he yeah i the reason i'm getting a bit like kind of chucked up a little is is because that is that um it resonates with me the most i think i think dean asked me what's your like we sort of hey hey great to share about you know games we're looking forward to but what what's your all-time favorites what what is those games which um that 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 sort of lit that fire or keep that fire of of uh, you know curiosity for the world and and like celebration of this medium and everything that what this medium is uniquely able to do like make you just you know we've even said i've even talked about it here and there but like for example that game company people who have recovered from social anxiety because of journey or you know they've and, and because of flower they were able to kind of like their headaches went away or whatever like these healing aspects of games as well um for me last guardian on a symbolic level, uh, is unparalleled. Um, everyone got all up in its grill of, about its janky camera. I think it was all intentional. I think this is one of the great masterpieces uh, of of the medium. It is hard to raise a puppy. Anyone, it is hard to raise an animal of any kind or a child. You know, um, it's meant to be disorientating. It's meant to be frustrating. Um, so people saying that about the camera. And again, I'm you know not a, being apologist for it. I'm I'm genuinely stating this is I'm. 1000% certain this was intentional and the same with um you know the remake of Shadow of the Colossus which is one of the next things that I want to talk to and do a little round table about but for me last guardian I, I held out I I kept that lamp alive throughout the 10 years that it took for it to come to us when it was first starting development in 2006 announced in 2007 released essentially 10 years later 2016 uh yeah it, you know, I, I consider the, the taking a, you know, taking this, you know, step into this world of, um, you know, like as with the boy and, and the, for me, it's all a metaphor. Like Fumito Ueda is the boy um, and Last Guardian, that giant creature, uncontrollable, very difficult to manage. That was the Last Guardian. It was how difficult it was for him to create, like he had to shift platforms from, play, from PlayStation 3 to PlayStation 4. Like he infused everything he was going through as the boy trying to kind of control this giant beast of this game of this development cycle um uh, so i'll always get a bit emotional when i think about last guardian because um i resonate so much with with any creator who who sticks by their vision and i know that i uh, i've faced a bit of this nowhere near as on the scale as he has but with wondering whether or not interactive artistry was worth kind of carrying forward and whether i felt whether you know the oh it's fine like it's it's an implied thing we don't need a dedicated outlet for treating games this way you're you're, you're blowing this out of proportion um 
and and I'm sure a lot of people were like, hey, you know, it's been um, so long that you like you, you've been taking look look at Journey like you don't need uh, Last Guardian like we've already you've already inspired a new generation. I think Last Guardian is going to be redundant. No, there's no point releasing it. And so I I I connected with why I actually even began interactive artistry and kind of pursued it to its creation. Um, I connect with that because of how. Fumito just patiently and kept perspective and, and did his thing. So it's compulsory. I, I have to do a quick little round table. Sorry for going long, guys, but I, I would love to hear each of your thoughts on Last Guardian, uh, starting with um, Daniele. Wow. Yes. You really made me cry almost. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's so great to have you, man. Yeah, um, no, yeah great to have yeah. you too, man. Love you guys. For sure. Go for uh, it. I haven't I haven't played The Last Guardian, uh, okay. but I was always um, curious about it because I heard uh, people complaining about the uh, the the mechanics, as you yeah. said, <laughs> and I do think that was intentional. I mean, you don't develop a game for ten years and leave such a bug in there. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not something you do by accident. No. I mean, it's impossible. Um, so yeah, yeah I think I've always defended that game. Yeah, no, go for it. I didn't mean to. Sorry, I was just saying, like he he surrendered to that. Like that's what you have to do as the boy in the game. You need to surrender to how like unpredictable he is, and and that's as what what gamers who resonated with it again totally fine if people didn't. But when people surrendered to like, yep, this is gonna be janky. It's gonna be frustrating. It's gonna be all these things. Um, and they, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah. continue. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I never played it, but uh, I always defended it because it was, um, yeah, a game that was developed for so many years. Um, you have to respect that. I mean, yeah. a man put, m many people put 10 years of their lives into that project. Mm. And um, it, it worked out. It did. It came it, out it, on, it, on the PS4. So you have to respect that. Yeah. Um, and uh, even if you don't like the genre, you, 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 you can see from the from the videos online from the screenshots that a lot of work has been put in it in it yeah. so uh, yeah uh, I really respect that and I think I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get it sometime yeah um, I'll buy it I for you I'll, man. Like it. I'll send you a damn code <laughs> <laughs> too easy absolutely thanks thanks for sharing that um, Daniela yeah go ahead Francesco what what was your relationship with the Last Guardian I have to agree with Daniela uh, I I played uh, the Last Guardian and. Uh, to me, the, the fact that Trico didn't react uh, instantly to our uh, inputs, it was uh, very natural because uh, it happens to me with my pet every, every day. <laughs> and, and, that's great. And that, that was, that, uh, I think that that was the what uh, way that was going for. And um, yeah, uh, also the, how Trico was uh, developed. Mm. Uh, how he was uh, structured and uh, these amazing creature. I, I don't know how many polygons there were there. Oh gosh! It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it felt uh, so photorealistic, you know. Mm. And uh, playing it on PS4, when it, it, it uh, Last Guardian struggled on PS4, even uh, even in the, the, this generation, I really understand. I understood how um, how impossible it was to. To make such a game on PlayStation 3, mm. because it would have destroyed the the, um, the meaning that uh, the the message the way that I was going for, yeah. the the relationship between uh, the boy and uh, and the animal, the creature that could be 
the relationship between um, a person and a, and a pet. Mm. Uh, yeah. The the final phases of, of the story, of course, I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah. uh, they were uh, they were uh, so amazing. Like, I, I, it is difficult for me to get emotional for a game, but uh, yeah. the Last Guardian, yeah, the Last Guardian was one of those cases. It, absolutely, uh, I really got emotional in, the, yeah. in those moments. <laughs> I, I absolutely did as well. So I I've I've admitted to, I've I've basically accepted it like i i can not really that's probably why like interactive artistry has been really good for my sanity because i i can't help but sort of read things out symbolically um and that's going to be the case obviously with uh the upcoming uh, you know death stranding we're going to have a segment called threading the strands which will be going minute by minute and and launching off on 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 these um explorations of, of symbology of what we're seeing and yeah not being crazily obsessive about like that's the thing like for me i i don't like yeah like i think when you obsess about something it's it goes the opposite way it um it it, it dishonors it, you're not honoring it it's un, it actually undermines any love you might feel for that thing when you are obsessive about it um and and like there were there were people like they used to like yeah kind of like attack uh, and like sort of say to the people who still believed in the last guardian like people would roll their eyes and be like oh why are you guys so obsessed with making this game come out and like uh you know but it really was just about realizing, as you put it so well, uh, Francesco, that like um, this speaks to it, it's you know who hasn't had a pet or who doesn't understand when something doesn't respond to them. Like that's life. Like sometimes life won't respond to you. What does it say about you that you just sat there with your arms crossed and expected things to go your way? You know. So yeah, it it's it can really really like I can see like mums and like dad's like teaching their kids about stuff through last guardian like hey, yep sorry it won't yeah exactly. sometimes yeah <laughs> things won't go your way you know so okay so i've oh gosh i just looked at the time we're almost at an hour i by the way also please jump in if you guys uh are you guys are cool to keep recording i'm 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 happy to kind of go a little bit longer on this one since it's episode one yeah sure yeah i got my italian okay, brothers yeah. with me Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Awesome. Well, in the middle of, of, of the banner, we have Ludens. We have an entire other show dedicated to this figure and to everything he represents, his um, creator, Hideo Kojima, and the game he is uh, heralding. He is literally the herald of Death Stranding with his banner and his knight armor. Um, those who play Ludens, from Homo to Ludens, from Homo sapiens to Homo Ludens, um, evolving beyond... Uh, something that is mere entertainment or recreation or distraction play is not just playing with something from a point of view of having fun it means to play with ideas it's to subvert it's to explore it's to be curious it's to put aside war put aside conflict really delve into this amazing gift we've all been given from birth as humans for imagination for emotion for uh, creativity um, it's putting all that aside and, and stepping up to that so that's why he's in the middle is because um, he, he's he's leading he's leading that messaging for me and 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 embodies the core of that aspect of of games embracing what they are which is fun but also going further into that symbolism like fun means also to have fun with limitations like push boundaries you know so that's what I think Ludens is easy does anyone want to add to add to that one there well I think Kojima pioneered this. Um way of thinking that was in the air for a while yeah and um he expressed it uh forefront and um 
we have to be grateful for that because uh, so many young developers will be inspired by uh, his yeah. words and uh, probably will try making a project that wouldn't have, they wouldn't have tried 10 years ago. So, yeah. yeah, as I said at the beginning of the episode, today it's possible even for small developers with no funds or limited funds to make a great experience to make the game they want mm. the way they want it. Agreed, absolutely. <clears throat> How about you, Francesco? I think that uh, Kojima opened my eyes about how playing um, helped us to build our, our society. We, through entertainment, we learn, we, mm. we, we develop our tools, our technology, our society. It's, uh, I, uh, I have to agree with, uh, with what Kojima mm. said with, uh, from Homo sapiens to Homo ludens, because uh, playing nowadays is uh, at the center of our society. It is. Yeah, you know, smartphones, just look at that, you know, iPhones and everything, you know, we're yeah. constantly, uh, you know, and again, playing doesn't have to mean like Candy Crush, <laughs> it, it, it means, no. yeah, that, that, that aspect of, you know, what technology really, if you really boil it down, it's, it's about being able to do new and exciting things, um, and, uh, you know, I've even had moments like when I've been doing my, like, internet banking just from how smooth and awesome and like streamlined the menus are it's just like this feels you know it's like they call it that word that word um gamification you know um even on those kind of that surface level you can see that uh becoming a part i think even in training modules they have you know with when you're like uh, starting up at a new job they'll have gamified aspects of it they'll be like oh you know i think i was doing an induction once for a role and they the structure of it they they made it so that i got medals with every module module i completed like an achievement <laughs> you know so um and i yeah like i i can see that being something again the discussion is so broad you know on on how on how games have kind of um and as you said going from homo sapiens to homo ludens you know uh permeated into wider society for sure um awesome well we'll keep cracking with this yeah i, I actually like this we're sort of going across the banner we have uh the looming figure of the colossus uh in the distance there we've discussed about um on on the on the other show uh, death stranding podcast touched on the worthwhileness of remakes um can you guys, are you also seeing my struggle of like, we can go down so many tangents and avenues on this show? <laughs> so, yeah. Keep, keeping structured yeah. is, is I, hope, I apologize to listeners. Uh, again, episode one is just like this, gonna obviously inevitably this sort of outpouring of, um, of you know, what we each feel about this medium and everything. But uh, I promise you listeners who are uh, possibly, um, you know, wondering about structure, don't worry, we will have a regularly structured show. This is just, uh, you know, Getting all sappy, getting all uh, ha sappy and huggy and happy about this medium for sure. So anyway, um, you know what we did discuss uh, uh, Shadow of the Colossus earlier when we talked a little bit about, um, you know, with yeah, like um, uh, Ico and, and and Last Guardian. The one thing I'll say is that um, Shadow of the Colossus had like a statue, beautifully made that you could like pose with and everything at PlayStation um, Experience this year. Um, what what I mean by that is that um, it has endured. Uh, with Ico, for example, Johnny Greenwood, from uh, Oscar-nominated composer, uh, guitarist for Radiohead, he's like Ico's my favorite game. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, um, film director, Shadow of the Colossus, most emotional uh, gaming experience I've ever had, and he's he's gonna win that damn Oscar for, sh for Shape of Water, I guarantee it. <laughs> he has to, or, or get some form of recognition for it, because um, so. 
it's it's almost as I could I could do a mic drop there and just say look at how far, how, how much this game has endured from a game in 2005 Shadow of the Colossus came out um, in 2006 or seven I believe it it featured prominently in a a film about 9/11 um, you guys know about this. Shadow of the Colossus. No, I. Yeah. The no, first time I got it. Yeah. So this, uh, um, this wounded. Just wanted, um, just wanted to tell you, Albert. Yes. Don't drop your mic. It's expensive. Ah, this guy. <laughs> mava, mava. <You're> hilarious. <laughs> no, seriously. Like in a meta way, that was a mic drop moment for you, buddy. Yeah. You're hilarious. <laughs> um, and my mic is, is is expensive too, so exactly. I shouldn't do that. You should just careful. I'll stop doing drops. that now. All right, people don't think about that. Think about how the mics feel. Um, I need to. I need to get like I also listeners. Um, you know, I've, I'm on my headset now. I'm. I've. I've I'm gonna put the order through today. I will. I'm gonna get the same setup as done yet. I really dig it. Um, what are you? What are you on at the moment, uh, Francesco? Uh, recording wise. Um, I can. I can see. I can. Um... Yeah, that's cool. I mean, as long as you're happy with it. And if it uh, if it suits you, then that's that's the best thing, you know. Um, and if it's uh, easy, you know. Um, uh, what's the brand? Um, yeah, Blue Yeti are, re are really good as well. But you're coming through nice and clear, so uh, yeah, awesome. Nice. Is is it a, is it a, is it a, a desktop mounted one or is it a headset or just like a no? It's just uh, an headset. That, um, it's a quite a cheap one. Yeah. I think that. Uh, it works. <laughs> yeah, it totally works. Absolutely, man. Yeah, we're just going along our way. We'll grow naturally as we will. But yeah, back to Shadow of the Colossus. In I think yeah, it was 2007. A film called Rain Over Me, uh, with Adam Sandler and Don Cheadle. Um, a man lost his entire family in 9/11, um, as in his wife and his two daughters, and I think his dog as well. And it explores. He he all he does all day is play Shadow of the Colossus. This was a head spin for me when I saw this. I was like, what? Um, and what is alluded to in the story is that seeing these falling these falling colossi, um, uh, I just got goosebumps there thinking about it. It's him not letting himself forget the trauma of his family's death. Um, he he won't let himself move on. Um, and what's funny is we often say games are an avenue for distraction, but he was keeping this emotional vigil alive of reliving the destruction of the towers through seeing these colossi fall over and over um and so you know we, we yeah we say gaming is about distracting but he he it did the opposite he was playing this game to to keep that alive and then extending that theme of keeping um keeping things alive like uh, the the whole premise of um the shadow of the colossus is trying to bring this woman back from the dead um and and what and and the lengths that this man would go to uh, wander, um, and then in the, I'm not sure the character's name in Rain of Rain Over Me, um, but uh, what he would do, what you can see in 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 the way that he holds himself and and in how he he yearns to have that family back, you know, um, it, it's part of his arc in that film to to sort of come to that acceptance, but it, you know that that was something that i found like you know it's very i don't see it talked about that much at all but um to to have that yeah that symbolic reading on 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 what uh on what was happening in that story and i think it was such an effective uh storytelling device to just like yeah this guy won't let himself forget his his wife's death and he's playing a game about bringing a woman back to life you know and and seeing these structures fall and and it's just all of that was just phenomenal when i when i when i made that connection so and essentially just saying that 
the, the themes of, of uh, Shadow of the Colossus, you know, conquering these, uh, you know, and also the, 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 the dualism of, you know, these things are supposedly big, hulking, uh, ostensibly, like, scary things, but they're just innocent, you know, they're just walking around, they're, they're doing their thing, they haven't hurt anyone, they're just following their nature. Um, so many, so much symbology can be read into, like, man's ambition to conquer nature, regardless of the toll on himself, Um entire theses have been written have, have been written about about that game so to see it celebrated both like in commercial terms of just like getting remakes and being out there representing playstation and then uh, embraced by this deeper symbolism kind of uh, lens that like uh, creators have like gilda tor and others you know is is really great to see so did you guys have any notes on shadow of the colossus um to, that you wanted to share uh, francesco no yeah that's all good have you played it uh actually i have to say no That's i have fine. never played it I, I i'm looking forward to play for the first time on uh, ps4 ps4 absolutely too good oh um, how about you daniela oh yeah same as francesco i never played the game but i was always curious to yeah to see how this game was because it felt so different from mm. other games um from other open world games and uh, i don't know he had a strange atmosphere for the videos I from the videos I I've seen of it, yeah. so I was really curious to try it myself. And this re-release on PS4 is it's gonna be really be something. It really it really is shaping up. I as I said on the other show, like I stood up on my couch, like I was floating above my couch with excitement uh, to see how, <laughs> how much uh, how much love and attention they've and care and passion they put into um you know letting uh, the game's legacy kind of continue. Um, for many years to come. Um, at the end, we have uh, of the banner, we have um, yeah, Snake uh, from Metal Gear Solid 4. Uh, we touched a bit on like Kojima's work there. Um, I that was added, I think, um, as a you know a tribute to the designer Dean. He loves Metal Gear Solid 4, and um, and I was like, how's how, how's this how's this sort of fit with the others? Um, we were talking about the theme of enduring um, and. Uh, and enduring through the years and, and still being celebrated and, and still having your identity many years onwards. And that's like Shadow of the Colossus, but also, um, you know, like it, it's one of those things um, in like MGS5, like uh, kept you waiting, huh? Like, um, yeah. And then old snake, like physically, like old and just, but still there, still, still kicking ass and, and um, doing what he's doing. Um, so he, he's sort of, he's sort of there to symbolize like how, how, like how like the lasting power of this medium and how it can stretch into yeah like the the older years as well um and then just that yeah that staying power that's what he sort of represents at the end obviously we have uh, Joel and Ellie from Last of Us um yeah we've talked a bit about Last of Us here but needless to say it's one of our main titles so this was a gigantic tangent everyone all the listeners we were originally talking about the five or so games we're going to be covering God of War, Red of De- Red Dead, um, and then uh, Cyberpunk. You just reminded me very well, um, Dan, uh, Francesco. Cyberpunk is going to be one. I just, I'm so curious about it. I really want to like report on it essentially. So, have we kind of agreed? Sort of just us here. We'll have other hosts, obviously, on future episodes. But God of War definitely, Red Dead Redemption. Um, I've mentioned Beyond Good and Evil. Uh, anyone here excited about Days Gone? Me. Yeah, I am. I, I put it in uh, on my list. Okay, awesome. What, uh, Francesco? What's what's sort of intriguing to you and about Days Gone, and what do you think it'll kind of do for like uh, expanding and deepening the medium? Go. I think that uh, this is the first uh, single-player open 
action board game that I see that has these uh, survival elements in it. Like for example, we know that you have to to um, to refuel your bike, uh, or yeah. otherwise you can, you have to go by you have to walk uh, to the map, or um, maybe there will be also other um, other other survival elements and. Uh, People say that uh, it's too much like The Last of Us. I think mm. that is quite different from The Last of Us because uh, The Last of Us it's a linear single player game. Mm. This gone, it's an open world. Yeah, and um, I'm curious to see how they uh, portray a um, post-apocalyptic America in a in an open world uh, environment compared to a single player uh, linear environment than that uh, The Last of Us has. So. I'm quite curious about it. Yeah. It's, no, me too. How about you, uh, Oh, yeah, sorry. Continue. Could be a, yeah. uh, so, sorry. It, okay. it could be a great, a great game or a, <laughs> uh, a, a shitty game. I don't know. It's a, it's, yeah. This is the first time that these developers, they don't develop a full game on a on yeah. console from PlayStation 2, I think. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, look at, uh, you know, the guys from Horizon. Like, we have the the sort of uh, parallel stories of like Radio Dawn, you know, where they struck out, they struck out from, uh, you know, handheld PSP God of War titles um, into the Order 1886, which um, that's a whole other podcast there as well, podcast episode uh, as well about um, the validity of that of that title and what that did for me personally of proving what next gen could do uh, using usage of like lenses and stuff. I actually have a quote from Rue Wirasuria, the game director of that, um, as part of the outro to just say, like, yeah, that was another way that they wanted to legitimize the medium, bring it to life, um, add these filmic elements. But, um, no, I agree with you. Uh, I think... It, I actually have faith. I, I believe that Sony Bend, who are making um, Days Gone, they're going to take the guerrilla route. Like, people who have never had... They didn't. They had no experience in, in open-world RPG, only first-person shooters, and we have Horizon now. You know, and it's been yeah. So, also, yeah. Ghost, also Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, Madonna! Allora, <laughs> excuse me, Ghost of fucking <laughs> holy shit! Uh, that's gonna be so great. <laughs> oh, dear me, crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I I interrupted you again, Francesco. Please continue. I I wanna yeah. Um, definitely Ghost of Tsushima. Go ahead. Yeah, Ghost of Tsushima. Uh... It's something that Sucker Punch has never done. They, yeah. they, they were, they, they've been making a first slide and I'm famous. Uh, but I think yeah. the Ghost of Tsushima is so huge, yeah. even bigger than Horizon. I think it's oh yeah, in different ways. I, I'm really looking forward to um, to see some game. I, I didn't put it on the list because we we haven't seen anything. About yeah, it. just a, a trailer with. Could have been a few seconds of gameplay at the end. I think that was gameplay at the end mm-hmm. of the trailer. It was, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a very ambitious project, and can't yeah. wait to see more about. Wow, I, I, yeah, it almost fell off for me. I, I, I'm so glad you brought it up, Francesco. We couldn't have had the first episode of Interactive Artistry without mentioning. These, the, yeah, these titles here of like developers, yeah, striking out, really wanting to forge new directions, um, and take these risks, and I'm so pleased to see that happening in this medium. Um, and yeah, Ghost of Kutsu, I had just, you know, I heard of the the infamous uh, series. I saw some of what they were able to accomplish, but as they've so wonderfully put in their interviews, like who wouldn't want to be like photo real, amazing, interactive Akira Kurosawa movie, you know? <laughs> right. So there you go. <laughs> 
totally agreed there, man. Um, and so then we have, uh, you know, we talked about like, um, yeah, I, I said, I said days gone. Uh, we talked about Detroit, um, as well. Um, uh, I've been actually all this time writing on my, on my phone. I have God of War, Red Dead, Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima, Days Gone, Detroit, Become Human, Cyberpunk, Beyond Good and Evil. Um, this is kind of where I'm at with my list. I'm actually going to bring up my list, but, uh, Daniela, um, what's another title that for you, you just have to report on it every week. Go. I just have to report every week. Um, yeah. Well, in, at this time, I'm really looking forward to Nino Kuni 2. Yes. Because uh, I love the first one on the PS3. It's one of the reasons I got a PS3 at the end of last generation. Amazing. And uh, when the sequel was announced in um, E3 two years ago, I think, mm. um, I was so glad for it because it had the same style same visuals, the same, um, a different, a new kind of combat. Yeah. But um, what really struck me was that um, um, the, uh, the there were no more um, pre-rendered cutscenes, mm -hmm. but uh, it was all in engine. So beautiful. That's really that that really it, it can break the immersion. You know, having pre-rendered cutscenes um, that you see look different from the game. Yeah. So I'm really glad they chose to do this way this time. That's and awesome. um, yeah, the other games. I think I think you already mentioned the other games I was thinking about. So yeah, for sure. Uh, level five games. I I really love them. Uh, I so, love the Professor Layton and uh, on the DS. Mm. Um, and as I said, the first Nino Kuni. It was a great endeavor. Yeah, a little shout out to Louise. Uh, you know, has mentioned on air. Uh, on this running podcast, uh, you know he's a level level five guy. Works there. Um, he's not directly part of the Ninokuni team, but little shout out to that guy um, for 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 yeah, just sort of being in that in that sort of in that sort of sphere of creativity, which which is uh, is creating that phenomenal title. Like it is a Studio Ghibli movie come to life. So definitely worthwhile there. Um, I've brought up my list. Um, Again, the, the the top seven for me, Death Stranding, God of War, Red Dead Redemption 2, The Last of Us Part 2, Ghost of Tsushima, Days Gone, and Beyond Good and Evil 2. After that, I've got Bloodborne 2, which <laughs> is the hope, at least, that I have for the uh, teaser. Yeah, that that's so That's right. Go ahead, uh, Francisco. No, no, I was just saying, yeah, let's hope that, uh, that Shadow State-wise is... Uh... Spider-Man Yeah, I mean, I'd be happy with a new IP as well. You know, for me, from a, one of those just high-caliber creators that like go for it. You know, now let's let's see let's see what they they can make for sure. Shadow of the Colossus remake. Then I have Detroit Beyond Human. After that, I have Sky. Which um, I'll take a brief moment here. Have you guys looked at what Sky's doing with um, you know essentially the uh, the more comp like they're just taking what Journey did, you know, uh, and and sort of broadening it out and really fulfilling what that was kind of beginning to to sort of express in terms of a, a title that everyone can jump into and anonymously interact and have these beautiful sweeping emotional experiences. Have you guys seen any of that, Sky? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've seen it. It was announced during the Apple conference. Yeah, and uh, um. At first, I was sad because it wasn't coming out on PS4, at least uh, instantly. Yeah. It will come out later. It is a temporary exclusive. Yeah. Um, but it's also it's uh, it's awesome to see how even on a smartphone, uh, someone can have such a, such an experience. As you said, 
Uh, it's easy. It, I think that uh, watching a gameplay, it is a mix of every game they've made. That they've made. There is a little bit of flow, mm. a little bit of flower, and a little bit of journey in there. Mm. So uh, it's quite exciting to. Uh, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, you know, IGN have been doing the IGN first kind of month of coverage that they've been doing, and um, Genova Chen, who's again part of our sort of intro uh, for his sort of angle on games is very kindred to ours here at interactive artistry i would love to interview that guy i hope at one point you know no expectations no uh no nothing like that um at one point it would be lovely to to sort of chat with that that guy for sure um and other cool um developers that sort of resonate that i resonate with for sure um um but with sky yeah on the ign first coverage there's like he said like there's a lot of mystery to the setting at the moment. Um, there's the clouds, but then there's the place under the clouds, that sort of rainy kind of forest area. Um, and he talked about these places called shelters, where you're able to sort of sit and just like light a candle and just like watch the rain fall together. It's just like, it's beautiful. It's like sublime. What a beautiful idea of just like having this title that everyone can sort of tap into. And he said like, yeah, like sky is what we want to, like it's taking what when people came to us about how much fun they had with journey and how much it, it connected with them on an emotional level and everything they wanted to share that with their family um and so i, I really really am looking forward to that daniela did you have anything for sky well um i never played journey and the flower but um i've had uh, journey i think in my instant game collection on ps plus yeah so um uh, i'm really planning on trying it sometime uh and i've heard great things about it i've heard it's revolutionary and uh it has this uh, as you said seamless online interaction anonymous um so yeah uh, i really it's it's really interesting and i think uh yeah the new game will be will be good mm. I agree. I still have to try that uh, that genre though. Yeah. I don't know if I like it. I hope to. Yeah, Vane as <laughs> well. There's a title coming out by a studio called Friend and Foe. They recently previewed at I think it was PSX. Um, amazing art style. Vane is um, is sort of I think Vane and Rhyme as well. And another title. It's from this Brazilian developer called Torin. Um, I I call them sort of the triplets. They're sort of Ico, um, Ico children, like the children that Ico had, you know, <laughs> and um, uh, and and I think in Sky is a child that like was created by, um, yeah, like as you said, um, Francesco, so well, it's it's a combination of all of their previous titles for sure. So I'll scream through the rest of the list because I would love to hear listener feedback on um, where uh, your um, like what your rankings are for sort of again these these titles that you feel would really be adding to the medium. Um, uh, in these ways that we've been discussing, I have Cyberpunk after that, number twelve, uh, Dragon Age four, which is is starting to rumble to life. Um, very intrigued about that. Um, then we have Avatar twenty twenty, which is uh, Ubisoft have like the devs behind um, the division um, uh, are creating this massive uh, asset borrowing because they're going to actually use the assets from the game. Next gen. Uh, Pandora Simulator, essentially, um, which is phenomenal. I'm really anticipating what they're going to do with that. Also, as I go through these, you guys need to jump in and be like, ah, oh, let's talk about that, please, because I'll just go, I'll just continue. If okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and in fact, that'll be great, because I can get a beat on what you guys are excited about. Um, Anthem comes after that. Yeah? So I'm really curious about that one. Aha, because I, I want to see if they do it right. Yes. Because, um, you know, um, 
it's EA. It's been in, in the middle of a lot of controversies <laughs> lately. Yeah. And uh, many people yeah. um, who were excited about Anthem at the beginning, when the first trailer was shown, are now a bit suspicious about that because they say, well, yeah, it looks good, but how will it work? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, it's almost too and, good to be true. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I really hope so because um, they have a chance. They have a chance of redeeming themselves from all the controversies that's been yeah. going at them. But um, yeah, they have to take this chance. Um, it yeah. would be really great. And we'd have a great game too, so... Yeah, that'd be positives all around for sure. Um, Francesco, anything yeah. on, uh, on Anthem? Yeah, thanks, Daniel. Um, I've kind of lost my hope on Anthem and the uh, EA and BioWare in general. <laughs> <laughs> this is see, great. See, that, that's what I'm talking about. See, uh, <laughs> that's amazing. Two, en- uh, two ends of the spectrum of I, hopefulness. Yeah, go. When ahead. they when they announced the game, uh, my first reaction was, "This is not real. This is this is this is a pre-made game pre." I, I can't believe that's uh, that. That's the real gameplay. Um, although, uh, um, of course, if they if they keep the promises and they deliver what they have uh, announced at E3, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very happy because I want Bioware to come back uh, mm. after after the disaster that was in the Sephiroth Andromeda and. Uh, mm. Um, I want them to come back uh, and also yay to uh, to save themselves from uh, what from, uh, what they have created with these uh, loot boxes, my, uh, microtransactions, uh, mass effort, uh, all the the, the the fiascos that they have yeah. had uh, this year. Absolutely, yeah, totally agreed with you, Francesco. Awesome, yeah, no, and for my personal hopes with Anthem, it's um. Yeah, a little bit jaded again, and um, you know, I really don't. You know, I, 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 I want everyone to succeed. It's it's really as simple as that. Um, I love Dragon Age. I love Bioware. They, I'm, you know, Bioware, <laughs> Baldur's Gate represent like they'll they'll never like Bioware are edgy. You know, EA sometimes. You know, uh, mixed mixed opinions. Um, but uh, I I think like they're gonna go back to their roots with Anthem, and I have great hopes that um, they'll present something that will be more than the sum of its parts, and it, very clearly the sum of those parts being a mixture of Destiny, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Avatar. You know, with like Pandora and stuff, it kind of has that vibe. So yeah. So after that, we have number 16, which is Fumito Iwata's new game. So that's gonna take as long as it needs. We will. I'll speak to you guys, and <laughs> I'll speak to you guys in 2020. <laughs> okay. <laughs> about that one yeah probably for sure um then we have matt nava's new game so he created abzu he he um was the art director for journey um abzu the scuba diving uh that's a bit reductive but this beautiful underwater exploration of like ab uh the word abzu means uh, water of knowledge i think in ancient mesopotamian please correct me listeners if i've got that wrong uh, beautiful pensive amazing emotional uh and um aesthetically gorgeous uh sort of simulator of, of yeah this deep dive into oneself um so seeing what he's coming up with uh that studio giant squid studios um ken levine's game comes after that so um he's off doing his thing as we talked about at the top of the show um uh, were you here francesco when we talked about uh no he wasn't yeah we talked about shadow of war were you here for that i can't remember no i wasn't that's okay that's okay so we talked about how you know not only have uh games um sort of um, sort of uh, being able to do this 
amazingly beautiful thing of um you know let's say like for example like let's use the chronicles of narnia you know when that first like 2003 like the the games uh, the game adaptation thing like they had this bad connotation of like oh it's just this secondary product kind of thing um we've come so far since then we have the arkham games for batman where it's like it's these aspects these um you know uh, different um mediums of of these ips and these universes um standing on their own and in fact complementing each other yeah in fact uh, sorry for interrupting yeah, um on. i was talking with a friend the other day about shadow shadow of war about how the um, the story of a uh, shadow of murder shadow of war could become a, a movie of uh, yeah. on their own mm. It could be very. It could be as in, not. I'm not saying as important as the as the as the main uh, as the main story, but uh, it could find a a very important place in the in the Lord of the Rings universe. Yes. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, Absolutely. For sure. Um, and yeah, I wanted to say that, like, um, yeah, building on what you were saying about, about that and, and, and just the impression that it made, um, as it did on you, it, it made a great impression on Ken Levine as well. He, 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 he has been very unabashed about saying that one of the sort of guiding um, inspirations for his new title, again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this vaunted, celebrated, um, mustful creator, you know, I, he's a pretty super grounded guy as well like he, he's held in this really high regard i could just riff with that guy about just like life and games and like ayn rand and <laughs> dystopian fiction and all these things so i but i think he's going to broaden into subject matters that it hasn't done before um with this aspect of like he's really um he's really diving into this systemic uh you know um dynamically created narrative that when you like like get like when you turn on your PS4 um after leaving it for a break like the universe has changed while you're away like that kind of thing so I I find that to be very interesting what he's doing um after that we have Spider-Man um self-explanatory a great expression I, I think unprecedented very much like we talked about with Breath of the Wild like this is that game this is what we've sort of seen maybe let's just say for example like 2002's um you know like still very highly regarded uh, i think it was beehive uh, beeswax oh i'm terrible uh, that developer who created that title um in time for the second film um great simulator of, of the spider-man experience but um it's really looking like we're gonna get that definitive experience with spider-man um yeah for sure again guys i'm gonna just go through if you guys want to jump in just jump in um after that we have uh, psychonauts 2 uh, at number 20 um i backed that on fig uh the sort of like sort of crowdsourcing platform thing um psychonauts in my earliest uh back when it was like um like super early with like thinking about an endeavor like this i was like i can i can whip that out to anyone and say hey there's this game that is about literally combating your demons you know <laughs> like that, that opening speech yeah that <laughs> that opening speech about uh from uh coach oleander uh or uh, in 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 the actual game itself is one of my favorite speeches of any character he says you will delve in you will deal with their emotional baggage you will fight their demons you know yeah you will live their nightmares like this aspect of yeah diving it's it was inception before there was inception you know uh frankly you know with psychonauts and and i'm really excited to see uh on what they can uh, do with with the sequel, I, I think there's a lot of passion and expectation there, um, and love for, for for what's being created. So, do you guys have any um, uh, relationship with uh, Psychonauts at all, um, uh, Francesco? 
No, I never played it. I think you'd love it. Unfortunately. I would say. It's, a, it's, it's out on PS4, I believe. So definitely pick it up. It's very funny. <laughs> and also really, yeah, unexpectedly, uh, this this aspect, yeah, this kind of deep aspect really of, you know, you know, the whole premise is jumping into people's minds and like seeing their inner landscapes. Mm -hmm. And we often talk like in, in poetry as well of like, you know, uh, like T.S. Eliot, you know, like the wasteland, like there are so many poets that like describe the, the our inner worlds so vividly about like what you know and, and and so this game was this kind of playful um interpretation of that and uh turning it into a platformer very see like again accessible on that um surface level of uh oh it's just fun game then you can look at the symbolism and go deeper from there and you know not just like trying to create a mensa course on this game but it, it's just great that it represented that so um daniela anything with psychonauts no, I never played that. <laughs> ah, you guys are so great. Let's crack on. So uh, we have uh, Jurassic World Evolution. Um, again, same as Psychonaut, same as Spider-Man, rather, and Breath of the Wild. We are going to get the definitive, at least until the next one comes out, obviously. But the thing that we've just always um, sort of dreamt of, uh, it's they really, they're really stepping up to that. It's like, yep, we've reached a level of technology where we can use the assets from the films themselves, who, like, that... The, again, I, I call it fulfilling the promise of the earlier titles. So for me, Breath of the Wild fulfilled the promise of uh, and the potential of Ocarina of Time. I feel like uh, Jurassic World Evolution will do the same for what Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic Park uh, Operation Genesis did back on PS2, I believe. Gosh, I think that, that that's as far back as that went. So looking forward wow. to that. Yeah, crazy, right? We're old. Oh my God. Siamo vecchi, which means we are old in Italian. <laughs> Um, we then have pray, yeah. We then have pray to the gods, um, which is um, uh, was a Kickstarter game. Uh, it's essentially this beautiful kind of uh, love letter to Shadow of the Colossus. Really looking forward to that. Um, this is where it starts to get all over the place. I have Elder Scrolls Six. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, yeah. I humbly, I humbly assert that we'll still be around while in the lead up to Elder Scrolls, and I quietly want to admit to you guys that. As we start hearing more about that game, a couple of the titles at the very top of what we talked about will get bumped, and I will slowly become <laughs> an Elder Scrolls fiend and just want to talk about it all the time. So um, that's going to be great. I, but I don't think nothing earlier than 2019, possibly 2020 for that one. For sure. My only hope about that game is that uh, they use a new engine. Yes, <laughs> oh, Jesus, please, yes. <laughs> I think they will, yeah. Um, and I think it'll be compatible with next-gen uh, VR as well. Um, I think that's the direction they're going in. Um, after that, I have the Order 1887. I'm going to die on that hill of hope. I hope it does uh, come to fruition. They've said many times that they want to expand that EP, that that sorry, that IP uh, further than just that one title. So I think they've invested enough in that to justify some other form of uh, content with that universe. I'm really hoping for a sequel for that one. Devil May Cry 5, guys, is coming. It is. Uh, yeah. it's, is it? Yes, it has been heavily uh, rumored. Um, you can just do a quick Google search to see. This came out of nowhere for me. Uh, I have a great, like a very kind of formative bond with the original Devil May Cry. And I actually have a soft spot for Devil May Cry 2 and 3 as well. Um, didn't really sort of uh, connect with 4 much at all or the DMC. But, you know, I love it. Like Dante, Dante's Inferno. I'm sure, again, we talked about what are the references that, you know, that may have led you into uh like deep dives in like wikipedia or whatever or just learning more about these things i'm sure a lot of people were introduced to uh, alighieri's dante, dante alighieri's inferno through um 
Devil May Cry for sure. <laughs> so, um, what did you guys? Do you have anything? Oh, yeah. yeah um, anyone have anything on Devil May Cry Five? Well, it's interesting. They they they're coming out out with the new one. This this comes as a new information for me yeah. at the yeah. moment. But the first thing I'm first thing I'm thinking is that it's great because it's actually the return of a genre that we haven't seen around since uh, Dante's Inferno or the latest yeah. latest DMC. Mm. So um, it's great to have this genre back because yeah, there wasn't a game like that in in a while. There hasn't been. Absolutely. I wonder what it look like, the, like the aesthetic approach to it, for sure. Um, Francesco. Oh, yes. Any, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, Daniela. Um, yeah, Francesco, anything with the Devil May Cry? Have you played the other games or looking forward to five? Yeah, I've played other games. I'm looking forward uh, to, the, to the fifth entry in the, in the saga. And um, I trust Capcom on this one because they have uh, they have kind of recovered with Resident Evil 7, uh, with Monster Hunter World. Yes. Uh, they... They're coming back to the to their roots, and I I feel that every May Cry Five will be a really a really good game. And the rumors about these uh, um, I'm not saying open world uh, approach to the game, but sandboxish uh, okay. approach to the game. I think it's going to be quite innovative for the genre and. Uh, I really hope we see we see more at uh, at uh, E3 2018. Yeah, me too. Oh gosh, and on the other show we actually count down to it. Can't really. Um, I could look on my phone later to see how many days there are. I don't know if I should count down for this one. It's sort of a broader discussion thing for that. Maybe keep it, <laughs> keep the countdowns to the title specific ones. But I'll see how I go. No, I agreed with you all, all over for both of you, Francesca Daniele, uh, of Devil May Cry. I, as I mentioned, it was a formative game for me, um, where it made me just. Just yeah, it was so stunning the first one when I when I when I played it, the atmosphere that it was able to create. I have very fond memories of playing that one, um, collecting a lot of orbs, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, but um, also aesthetically and, and uh, some of the story stuff they did. Really want to see where that has grown, um, how that grows in in 2018. Um, we have after that Ghost of a Tale. Um, it's so high on this list for me. The 60 of these again. Uh, you know, again, I I'll just I'll probably pretty much scream through the others, so we won't kind of keep too too uh, you know keep this sort of segment going for too long, because I, I want listeners to sort of perk up their ears and say, oh, they t- they talked about that one game, you know, I really want that for sure. Um, so Ghost of a Tale is essentially Dark Souls meets The Secret of Nim, which was a a movie about um uh, anthropomorphic uh, rats and like mice, um or Redwall if you guys have read those books, um. It's uh, taking inspiration from Ocarina of Time, uh, and yeah, I, I would definitely say Dark Souls. Such a beautiful game. I'm gonna send you both screenshots of it. Like the level of craftsmanship that's being put into this title. It's it's led by like one guy. Um, he used to be a, a dev, uh, sorry, an animator for DreamWorks that like worked on like Prince of Egypt and stuff. Um, he struck out on his own. Um, he sent me uh, when I was sort of just repping his stuff on the forums out of nowhere. He sent me these cards. He's like, Albert, thank you so much for like repping the game. And I I made suggestions of what his like hypothetical um, collector's editions could look like. And he was like, dude, thank you so much. So. Ghost of a Tale, everyone. Um, it's coming to PS4 as well. Some people thought it was only going to come to Xbox One. Um, please, I implore you to, to look it up. It's The atmosphere of this is unparalleled. Oh, also, I can't obviously neglect to mention, if you guys... Do you guys know about Mouse Guard at all? Um, no. Mouse Guard? No. Oh, we're going to have some fun, ragazzi. Oh, ayo. 
Fantastic. <laughs> when I get excited, I get Italian. Okay, mm. that's what happens. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So no. Um, please. Yeah, oh definitely. I'm sorry. I'm so lame. Um, shut up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, Ghost of a Tale and 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 Mouse Guard. They kind of they they sort of go together. I would definitely say it's okay. So Mouse Guard, very simple. It's mice, but Game of Thrones, but with mice with mice it's fantastic it's so good <laughs> wow. it's like wind in the willows meets game of thrones it's fucking amazing <laughs> well. very good yeah yeah get into it um so then we have after that medieval remake that came out of fucking nowhere and like I, my brain exploded because i've held like <laughs> i am so glad i have two italian people on this fucking podcast right now because ragazzi ve lo dico adesso madonna mia listen to me I played this game in 1998. <laughs> I went to Montefiore del Lazo, uh, fucking Asilo. I was like going to school and I would go to school and I would not pay attention. Ask me why I didn't pay attention, Daniele. Why? Why did you Because pay I wanted attention? to play medieval. I wanted to go home and fucking play, as I used to call it, I used to call it medieval. <laughs> right? When I, when I talk the language a lot more, I'm, yeah, you guys are going to help me uh, get my Italian back, I'm sure. Guys, what the fuck? It. It was Dark Souls before Dark Souls to me. Um, beautiful game. Uh-huh. We're compulsory roundtable now. Did you guys play Medieval? Go, Francesco. Uh, I played it. Yeah. A little bit after the, it, its release, mm-hmm. and uh, um, it was uh, yeah, as you said, it was Dark Souls before Dark Souls. It, uh, and uh, it was something that I was uh, hoping for since the beginning of uh, of the generation. Mm. And uh, when they closed the uh, Guerrilla Cambridge, uh, my hopes kind of fell down. Fell down and, but I was—I had no expectation about uh, uh, great announcements at PSX because they were saying that it was a, a very uh, little event, uh, that the biggest announcements were made at E3 and uh, Paris Games Week. But out of nowhere, uh, Medieval Remake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it is going to get the, the same uh, treatment at Crash. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm so so it's pleased. It's gonna be. I hope that uh, it's the it's a new beginning for medieval. That uh, this remake is just a way to to tease. Uh, like guys, we are making the a new, a new medieval. We are yes. we are working on a new one. Okay. <laughs> yes, Francesco. We just became. I was already best friends with Daniele. We just became best friends. Uh, okay, <laughs> within the span of one episode, we just became literal brothers, all of us. Okay, holy shit, I totally agree um, with both of you for sure. Um, oh yeah, and Daniela, did you speak to Medieval a little bit? Um, yeah, go for it. Well, which console was it released for? PS One. Yeah, PS One back in the day, the old grey box. Okay, I didn't play it, but um, because back then I I had the PS One when I was really little, but. Um, I didn't play many games on it. I only played FIFA and... You're uh, just playing Parappa the Rapper all day. I know you. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe Final Fantasy, I think it was the biggest game I played, but um, I wasn't really into games. I just They were just a distraction for me. So Back in the they, they became a serious thing for me when the Xbox 360 and PS3 came out. So yeah, um, I didn't play the game, but... Um, I see. I've seen many people excited about this medieval remake, so it has to be good. I mean, uh, and if it gets the crash treatment, as Francesco said, um, it, it, it sure is going to look great and it's going to feel great. Yeah. Um, and it could be a chance for me to 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 try it. 
Yeah, and lay that groundwork, as Francesca was saying, for the sequel. I, I posted it about it recently, I think, on Twitter. Of um, That's what I hope is happening here with... Um, you know these these beautifully but done remakes is that it, it sort of uh, revitalizes it kind of brings it back into the public consciousness um, uh, honors honors the initial endeavor with this beautiful kind of uh, sort of love letter that essentially acts as a both love letter and also uh, just a, a beautiful remaster like just how classic films like Casablanca or whatever like that they're remastered and given this treatment and then to sort of have that be the foundation for a, a sequel for sure um, yeah, yeah it might be a test from the developers yeah. to see if the public's uh, still interested in those kind of games. Yeah. And if they are, they're sure uh, they'll sure start working on something. Definitely. Yeah, see, Sony is doing this uh, with a lot of games. First, uh, Crash, uh, now uh, Shadow of Shadow, uh, the Colossus, uh, Medieval. Mm. Who knows what, what's next? Maybe in uh, 2018, we may have, uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Maximo, did he call it? You guys remember Maximo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was all platformer. Um, maybe, yeah. Do you guys think of what? What would something you would love to see remade, guys? Uh, go, Francesco. For example, a- Ape Escape. Yes. We could have a new Ape Escape. <laughs> uh, uh, Yoshida, has been teasing it for, for for quite a while now. Yeah, the and, pinnacle uh, or, of narrative storytelling. Or, uh, a new slide, who knows? Oh, yes, a movie is coming out for for July, so maybe they're gonna have the same treatment that uh, Ratchet and Clank uh, had. Mm. I I really hope for because uh, Ratchet and Clank uh, on PS4 was uh, such a great game. Mm. Or even Spyro. Oh, that's a whole other podcast. We're gonna go. Yeah, yeah, even one. Spyro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, a, a lot, a lot of uh, of IPs they can uh, yeah revive. Absolutely agreed, both of you guys, on that one. Um, yeah, so just this isn't on the list, but I need to mention it because you reminded me. Because um, you mentioned, oh, like, you know, I only really saw games as distraction before, like the Xbox. Um, I think that's what you said, right, Daniela? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I two things that aren't on this list. Uh, I have a, I hold a tiny little candle to see how Halo Six will turn out, um, and then also I have a slightly more decorative and like brighter candle held i just hold that lamp out in the night waiting for it um uh alan wake too i want to see that come to come to oh, life oh yes have wow. you seen the videos uh with the prototype that was being developed at the uh, well remedy only when i feel like oh. having my heart broken yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah I, I played alan wake the first one and uh that was such a unique game. Yes. Uh, oh, it was really amazing. I mean, Microsoft, uh, Microsoft's new Xbox One has been struggling with exclusives. I, I really wonder why haven't they um, mm. give a shot to Unawake 2? Because yeah. Quantum Break, it was good, but not great, as mm. far as I know. Yeah. Uh, so, it was and they already knew people... They already knew people loved um, Alan Wake, so I really do understand why they did that. Mm, absolutely agreed. Uh, Francesco, did you have anything for that one? Yeah, I I, uh, I have to agree with uh, Daniele. Uh, I don't know why they haven't uh, bought uh, bought the the IP or just made a, a new one for Xbox One instead of a Quantum Break because. Uh, Right now, if if Remedy wants to make a new Alan Wake, I don't know if it's going going to be an, an Xbox uh, exclusive only yeah. game. Mm. Yeah, exclusive. 
Agreed, absolutely. Um, and I, sent, I I mentioned earlier that like it just felt like Quantum Break. It even rhymes with Alan Wake. Quantum Break, Alan Wake. It just felt like a big tease. It's like why, <laughs> why not? I yeah, I feel that. like uh, I feel like uh, Microsoft has lost uh, <laughs> such a great developer. Yeah. They're now going multi-platform with this uh, P7, this new project that uh, they have to announce. Oh yeah, that's right. Shout out to Sam Lake and his impossible to replicate accent that is very strange but very <laughs> very distinctive <laughs> such a oh, cool I guy. played the game in Italian so I wouldn't know oh no no this is no no, no. this is this is uh, Sam Lake he's he's the creator and he, like, he he's uh he's also the face the scrunched up face oh, right. of of, of uh, Mad Max so he he used his own kind of character his own body as like a and face as like a character model for for Mad Max uh, sorry no what am i saying Mad Max Payne oh gosh Max Payne. sorry my bad <laughs> thank you corrected myself so yeah that's that one there um, then we have dreams after medieval for me. Dreams. Yeah, dreams. Uh, yeah. Yes. Not... They literally said at the PSX panel that uh, it is possible to make Death Stranding in dreams. <laughs> I, I actually so believe that. Really... <laughs> Am I right? So no, that's crazy. Yeah. What were you saying? Um, I think yeah, you jumped in there, Francesco. I I put on uh, it on my list uh, and uh, it. At first, when they announced it, T uh, three twenty fifteen, um, it was um, it wasn't the right moment for me because right after Horizon and the Last Guardian, people didn't really understand what what Dreams was. But now that they have kind of re-announced it, mm. it's so it's something. It's uh, some people compared it to Project Spark on on Xbox, but it's 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 way more ambitious than Project yeah. Spark. It the um, thanks to dreams and how easy it is to create levels uh, and games. Uh, many people together because there is also the feature that uh, you can create a, a basically a software house with, uh, for example, me, uh, you, and uh, Daniele yeah. can create a, a game. I I I, I make the music. Uh, you make the the level design, and Daniele Daniele makes the the, the characters. For for That's example, beautiful. Uh, many many dev teams, you know. Yeah, exactly. We there are endless uh, possibilities to uh, to uh, cre- creation. The only limit uh, is uh, is creativity in the game. Mm. Yeah. Media Molecule is a team that always uh, uh, resonates with me, and um, they always create something new. They always uh, uh, give uh, give birth to 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 a new genre. But because dreams, I I think they will be the the first of many games like it because uh, yeah. it's a uh, such an ambitious game, yeah. I totally agree, absolutely. Um, in fact, uh, I had it was zero. I had no no draw towards dreams for a long time. I think it was possibly due to some of the early. That's all been dispelled now, all out the window. I'm I'm totally uh, on, on um you know following dreams and, and I as as you saw it's it's number um 28 on this big list that I have just sort of cemented itself um as this thing on my radar. Um, this beautiful, as you said, ambitious, wonderfully creative um project with such a wide wide ranging yeah possibilities um uh, and i it was a mixture of hearing it always i just ha- kept on hearing people talk about it um at psx um in this really effusive lovely um complimentary and just really excited way and i had a, a couple of extra it was a very thick kind of coconut shell of jadedness that i had around me of like ah eh, not interested and then i saw one of my co-hosts fucking francesco put it on his list i was like hello hold on a sec What's going on here? And so then I also saw um, 
that panel with Kojima. He was right there. Again, also, by the way, Kojima took inspiration from Media Molecule for his studio because uh, he wanted to kind of create that same kind of cozy environment where people can feel just like yeah he, he there's it's in the hideo tube episode if you want to see like where he took inspiration from so there's a connection there to to that but um unto itself totally standing on its own dreams and media molecule have like totally just like um, cemented themselves in in um in in like the this uh yeah, this I, as you said um francisco they're creating their new genre and Personally, like I have this project that I—it's called the Quantum Myth—and I um, write sort of um, myth and uh, type sort of folklore kind of stories, where I sort of um, do deep dives into um, the concept of kind of multiverse sort of stuff. I have it on the side right. along along with my yeah abstract art sort of thing. Um, I just have this kind of reservoir of stories that I've wanted to kind of express. A uh, little tease. One of them is about like a creature who has this like these creatures. They have these. Uh, um, they don't have, they don't like eat or drink. They have these um, gems in their foreheads, right? Um, and they sort of live peacefully in the forest. And every year, one of them is chosen to kind of go and renew um, all of the tribe's gems in this beautiful, like, sacred waterfall. Um, and then uh, one year, like, the forest kind of becomes really dark and dangerous. And it becomes very dangerous to go on this pilgrimage that they all usually go on. Um, and then, oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, usually it's like, um, they all just go together, but it's the forest becomes like super like infected and dangerous, um, and so then one of them is chosen to to go out, and you play that one kind of creature who goes out and um, is sort of goes out and sort of um, strikes this sort of path to sort of see what happened, and it's like turns out the waterfall has been like infected by these creatures, and like you're the one who. Um, Spoiling, spoiling my hypothetical game here, but you're the one who get, <laughs> who reaches the, the 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 waterfall, clears their infection, but you yourself become infected at the end because of that. Um, and what you do with that, you have a choice either to become like a monster or not, uh, or to 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 sort of um, uh, yeah clear the path so that your tribe can survive. Because in the meantime, back at home, they've gone in this like kind of death-like sleep because they just they're not able to survive. Like this this energy comes from their their forehead gems. So Again, I was just keeping this for... I think it was pretty much just going to die in, in, like, as I'm 80, 90 years old, whatever I get aged to. It's like, ah, that story I never got to tell of that, that fountain and these creatures with the glowing foreheads. But now I can... You guys are officially on my dev team already. Um, I want your, all your advice <laughs> on narrative. Um, I'm going to be able to point, because of, thanks to Dreams, I'm going to be able to point to um, something on my shelf and say, yeah, I created that with some friends, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What do you guys think of my random little story? <laughs> it's really good. It's a really cool story. Yeah, it's really oh. cool. Ma grazie. Too nice. Thank you. Well, <laughs> it'll be really cool. Um, I'll share some more stories with you down the line. Easy. So speaking of getting down the line, um, we have After Dreams. We have Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Uh, Xbox exclusive, but guys, Ori and the Blind Forest. What do you guys think of that? You know, Again, another frame, another game I didn't play. I know, I didn't. I just didn't have, I didn't have an Xbox. I, but I, I just fell in love with the art direction. Um, Francesco, did you play that at all? Yeah, I played it on uh, Xbox One. Beautiful. Uh, it is a yeah, it is it is a, the most beautiful game that came out on Xbox this generation for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the art direction, the story. Uh, also, also the gameplay, the, 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 there's some design ideas, some game design ideas that uh, it had uh, with, the, with the platforming, with the abilities of each character was really good. And um, yeah, 
just the just the the trailer for for the sequel got me emotional during during E3. Yeah, me too. Uh, I can't wait for for that one. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and oh gosh, and like with the like the owls, like these giant owls, like that's such a fascinating yeah. fascinating imagery for sure. So I will have to fly to Italy and borrow your PS, borrow, borrow your Xbox. Is that cool? I'll just do that, and uh, I'll pay for dinner. How's that? Yeah. We'll hang out. We'll just go and crash Francesco's house and just like, just like use dirty all his dishes and just like totally trash the place. Is that cool, Francesco? Okay. <laughs> I'm scared. Just joking. Um, after after Ori, we have Soulstorm. So uh, Oddworld Soulstorm. So um, you know he's uh, you know Lorne Lanning, the creator um, uh, of Oddworld, um, as this. As you'll hear in the intro of the show, or as you've already heard, rather, uh, this dark reflection of like globalization and like uh, the, yeah, an industry, um, very Pink Floydian, if if you will, uh, what Oddworld was doing back with Abe's Odyssey, uh, Munch's Odyssey, and the Stranger, uh, Stranger's Wrath, um, and uh, Soulstorm is a revisitation, and again, I keep reiterating this ad nauseum, but this fulfillment of an initial promise and an initial kind of. Uh, uh, microcosm of, of what the idea can now with this technology that we have be expressed in macrocosm and like just the fulfillment of that concept is um, yeah essentially uh, more it's it's more than a remake he's, he's been correcting a lot of people it's not a direct remake of Exodus it's taking everything Abe's Exodus was and uh, fulfilling what that original creative impetus was because you know what they've they finished Exodus in 10 months guys they in that development cycle back in uh, that's crazy you know, like Abe's Odyssey took yeah. three years to develop, and they only took ten months to create <laughs> Exodus. You know, wow, is, yeah, pretty crazy, right? So lots of respect for Lorne. Again, another dude would be really cool to interview one day. Low key, again, no expectations. We'll see how we go. Um, Vane, I've talked about that so earlier. Like this kind of, you know, in the same uh, vein. Oh, I I went there. I made the pun. Oh god, Vane, <laughs> Vane is in the same vein as Rhyme and Ico, so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> then we, God, I'm such a, just, God, I'm just, help me. Um, uh, we have Biomutant after that. What did you guys think of Biomutant? Have you guys seen anything from that? Uh, yes. No. Uh, okay. Uh, at first, I was uh, hyped about it, but when I when I saw the first gameplay, yeah, it, it didn't resonate so much to me. Uh, uh-huh. I I appreciate what uh, THQ Nordic is doing mm. with these uh, middle budget games that uh, are always new, always new IPs, always new ideas. But um, they still have to find uh, the right one. Yeah. I Biomutant is cool, but it misses uh, something in, in the gameplay, in the in the environment. Uh, uh, in the in the setting, it uh, it has a lot of ideas, but it's clear it's clear that uh, they didn't have the uh, they don't have the the budget to do, to to accomplish yeah. them. They just need to polish it then a whole bunch. Is, mm. Yes, yes, it's, uh, that's the problem with uh, every THQ Nordic game mm. that is coming out. But again, I appreciate what they're doing, and I I wish them uh, the best for their future games. Yeah, me too. Totally. Um, any thoughts on? Oh yeah, as you mentioned, you hadn't seen it. Basically, again, to give you sort of the elevator pitch, um, it's uh, like a samurai story mixed with, or rather, they they've said kung fu story, right? Mixed with um, this aspect of like anthropomorphic animals, like uh, Crash Bandicoot, um, meets a little bit of Dark Souls um, with these giant oversized weapons. Um, 
and this is a very deep uh, deep cut for Australian listeners. Reminds me of the Ferals. It was this kind of Muppets TV. It was like Australian equivalent of the Muppets. Very like just feral creatures, you know. Um, this kind of post-apocalyptic kind of uh, vibe. Very interesting. Um, they just need to polish it a whole bunch. So um, I wanna, I, I, gonna hold a little hope in my heart that someone, uh, Australian person, like was like Ferals. Did someone just bring up the Ferals? It's like, <laughs> it's like you guys. Um, again, deep cut for Italy. Growing up in Italy, but you guys remember Albero Azzurro? Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, which is basically like <laughs> like play school um kind of thing. So <laughs> for Australian listeners, I'm I think I'm yeah like Bonnie the dinosaur for for American listeners. Um, and I have no idea what Russian listeners would have. I don't know. Um, please reach out to me and tell me what you guys used to watch as kids in Russia, <laughs> and all other cultures. Right. So then after that we have Metroid Five, Metroid Prime Five. Or four, rather. Sorry, my bad. Four. 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 Yes. Let's not get that ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Metro, Metro Prime 5 announced before Metro Prime 4. Nintendo have lost their minds. No, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> what, what did you guys think of that tease, and, and what are you looking forward to with Metro Prime 4? Uh, I played um, Metro Prime 3 on yeah. the Wii when it came out. Mm. And um, I didn't play the uh, Metroid Prime and Metroid Prime 2, but uh, I found that um, really, first of all, it was difficult. It was a difficult game. Um, you really had to become a pro. It was like a Dark Souls game yeah. um, on a platform environment. Um, and it had this shooting mechanics, um, and you turned into a ball and rolled around the room and found out uh, <laughs> Cooler how to world. solve uh, shout out, puzzles. Shout out, shout out to Cooler World. Sorry, I had to. I, sorry to interrupt, but if anyone remembers that old one game, <laughs> so, Cooler World. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and um, and it had really interesting um, gameplay and mechanics and puzzles. It was really great. It was one of the great IPs from Nintendo. And I was so um, upset that they didn't bring it out again uh, years later. Now it's been—I think it's been ten years since Metroid Prime Three. Oh my! Yeah, you're so, right. Yeah. So uh, it's about time. <laughs> yeah, it's about time. I dig that absolutely. How about you, Francesco? I have never played any Metroid game, mm. uh, but I—I um, I, I think that it's a—it's a different game than the usual Nintendo ones. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see what they what they do for um, with, with with the fourth chapter on Switch. Switch uh, is uh, every game that comes out to Switch is innovative in its way because uh, just the fact that you can play, for example, a game like like Skyrim uh, on a bus, for example, on a, on just walking a walking around on you know oh, yeah. in in a city, it's um. Just by itself, it's a it's a great idea. So I, of course, Nintendo adds every every time adds something new to every game. Uh, can't wait to see yeah what what they're doing for Metroid. Maybe this will be my first uh, entry yeah of a, of the saga. Absolutely, me too. Um, uh, Francesco, it's um a case of I have I've sort of followed um just uh, it's one of my kind of regular 
Google, so to speak, or quasi-regular. I just sort of check up on, on how that um, that storyline is going. And um, I know that it has this kind of lineage of having been inspired by like a, a mixture of like Alien and Aliens as well. You know, there's even references to like, there's a creature called Ridley, I believe. Um, yeah, which is based mm. on Ridley Scott. So I have that tie there. I quite enjoy, um, you know, th- those films and stuff. But I also really dig the, um, the, the kind of, uh, that mixture of like, you know what's kind of interesting? I just need to throw this in here. So you guys know that like um, Disney has bought Fox, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so Fox is Alien. So Disney now owns Alien, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my right? god. Yeah. And so for me, I I always felt like Metroid was um like Disney Alien. It was like taking that and then <laughs> you know kind of what what would happen if you tried to kind of uh, combine those tones? I don't want to be reductive there at all with uh, with that. I I think it's a really fascinating. I I would universe i really would love to learn more about the chozo i want to see a lot of those guys the uh kind of avian creatures which seem to um have a little bit of shared dna with the engineers from the very first 1979 alien a bit um but more like avian kind of thing so fascinated by that for sure um after that we have this game flying sadly under a lot of people's radars uh, it's called vampire so or vampire um, ah yeah yeah. yeah um you play a doctor uh which is a beautiful irony uh it's you're supposed to help and heal people and it's i think set during a influenza oh i'm so oh speaking of you know needing to do a bit more research uh from from um you know and, and really looking forward to it. i think yeah uh, spanish influenza i think that might be it essentially um you're this doctor i think in the 1800s um who uh is I think also in yeah in London and you um, are in this position of you know helping people with this kind of sickness but you become a vampire and then it's a morality system of like what do you do with that is you have your you have your Hippocratic oath as a doctor to like help and and heal and yet you also need to uh, sort of yeah you're you're a blood drinker so very fascinating to see that do you guys have any um, uh, Francesco you said you you'd um, had a, you noticed it uh, yes, uh, I I'm waiting for I'm hyping uh, for it because uh, the guys that are, it's that they are making it are uh, Don't Not that made uh, Life is Strange. It's yeah. one of my favorite games this generation, and um, they I, I've seen um, a lot of information about it uh, that uh, they are going for a new direction on uh, storytelling. It's something similar to the Nemesis system that we see in Shadow of War. Yeah. Where uh, everything you do, for example, you just a guy passing by uh, during during free free roaming, yeah. you you kill him. Then you see uh, his relatives uh, crying for him. There is um, you 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 can find his grave at the cemetery, for example. Or uh, oh, every action every every action you do in the game as a as a consequence in the in the world. So wow. it's a it's really cool, and uh, knowing how they how they work with storytelling, with narrative, how good they are at, at that, uh, I think this will be a a, um, a great game for a, uh, and then there will be Life is Strange too from them. I hope. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, that's really yeah, and in fact, I I hadn't known about that that sort of uh, that sort of um dynamic kind of creation mechanic of like if you kill someone then like the family and then the gravestone i hadn't heard about that so that's fascinating um awesome man for sure um daniela yeah, yeah you... oh yeah go ahead um so uh no i i remember another element of that uh, of that uh, that feature in the gameplay 
every person you meet, uh, every person you interact with, you can have uh, a, a little story time uh, uh, written in, on your, uh, for example, your codex, uh, something similar to a codex in the in the menus of the game, yeah. where every person you've met, every person you've interacted with, there is a story time that changes uh, thanks to your actions in the game. So it's uh, it's really ambitious. Uh, it's something that goes a little bit beyond the Nemesis system that we have, for example, in Shadow of War. Wonderful. That's a, a new wrinkle that I hadn't known about. Um, thank you so much for that, Francesco, for sure. Um, Daniela, Vampire, anything? Never heard of it. That's great. I'm Get totally into sincere. It. That's totally fine. So I'll just, again, as a, as a sort of... I've been doing a, a couple of these elevator pitches, but I love it. That's what this show is about. In fact, uh, what I really dig, uh, another uh, among the all the countless, I can't even count them uh, or like measure them, wonderful aspects of doing this with you guys and, and other hosts as well. A little shout out to you guys. Fucking, I really appreciate you guys doing this for me. Just wanted to do a little bracket there. Um, one of the really awesome things is um, is uh, sharing things that I just had no previous knowledge of. So like this little thing that Francesco just said about Vampire. So I'm more than happy to kind of do a little um, pitch. So I said earlier, like things with like Mouse Guard, it's like, oh, Game of Thrones with Mice. Um, Vampire is like, take interview interview with a vampire. Um, I think inject a little bit of the atmospherics of Order 1886, uh, you know, um, some of the screenshots could be from shared from between the games, frankly. Um, even the protagonist has a bit of a Galahad vibe, um, although with a much more, uh, like, just like, almost like Mediterranean kind of look. Um, and um, and sort of take those and then uh, just really think about how, like, we've never... We have, we've always had this kind of a little bit like campy kind of like approach to, to vampirism um, overall. Um, even with I love the strain so much, but there's a little bit of the the campiness to there as well. So it feels like a a, a real they're like they're stepping up to this opportunity to to present a very compelling and, and tragic kind of and very dark um, take on on that genre. So I think uh, it's a bit played out obviously with with lots of vampire stuff out there, but um, I love that they've just simply called it vampire and it's going to be this. Hopefully, maybe even a rebirth of that genre um, within interactive medium, and then to probably even transcend that and say, look, hey, we're ready. We we don't have to do Twilight stuff or, or crazy, uh, you know. No, please. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have to do that anymore. We can start looking at this in the in the classical kind of, um, uh, you know, um, Stoker kind of way, Bram Stoker. Um, after that, we have I've just put them together because I just need to know more news. I have the Star Wars from um, Respawn and Star Wars from EA Vancouver. Formerly, it was being handled by Visceral. It's been re rebooted um, to be something that incorporates... I Not necessarily against... I, I feel obviously awful for the, um, the folks who are working on that narrative linear-driven experience. Um, yeah, that, that, has, that was part of the main conversations like if you're thinking of this episode it's going to be i think our only episode this year i don't think we're gonna are we gonna not sure it might be the last episode we do of this year and like episode two might be of interactive artistry might be in 2018 but um one of the things i remember uh, that will stand out for me as well as all the beautiful achievements with the medium and expansions of all these spheres we talk about emotional depth uh cerebral engagement um intellectual content i love it so much and, and and then adding to philosophical discussions as well sadly the um other end of that was the microtransaction stuff and the um uh, oh my god i know and then <laughs> and then this this crap about sorry like gotta call you rda like saying that stuff about oh people don't play linear games anymore yeah i'm sorry but you you stepped right into that caca okay all right you stepped into that <laughs> all right yeah i mean uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna say something about Go. this now Go. because 
it's really, really sad when you see a good game being judged by players for its make microtransactions, uh, yeah. predatory methods. Um, yeah, I enjoy Battlefront Two campaign. You man. see, I, I imagine a developer spending three, four, five years of his life on a project he loves, he grows to love. Like, for example, might be a developer at Dice for Star Wars Battlefront Two. Yeah. Which is not a perfect game, by the oh, way, yeah. but it's a good Star Wars game. Yeah. And then seeing your title, you, the title you've been working on for so long, you're so passionate about uh, releasing, and everyone people is talking about is loot boxes. I mean, it was the worst. It I, must yeah. be. It must, <laughs> it be, must be frustrating for them. Yeah, I, I, I straight up messaged Mitch Dyer. Um, what was beautiful is he messaged back. I just said, look, I just want to just like take you into this little mini shelter of just like i need to, to to say my piece here i i i think what you did with that campaign and with with the fidelity to the star wars universe that you were able to communicate with this short campaign i'm you know it's i didn't go into how it's being eclipsed sadly in in the public eye by all this microtransaction stuff i I mostly just focused with him on like it was so worthwhile what you guys did and i, and I really connected with it. it felt in many ways like don't want to spoil anything but there were certain segments that just felt like straight up dreams come true just you know um in terms of the visual fidelity yeah. and like the fact that i was basically playing a sequel like me in born in 1988 grew up on the VHSs. Um, I'm me <laughs> like playing the sequel to Return of the Jedi. Like I again, I make sure not to kind of get uh, swept up too much in like jadedness. Like uh, that it, that fact itself was enough to yeah. call the game a success for me. And I shared this with Mitch, and he's like, "Thank you so much for yeah. recognizing that." So what a kindred guy. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, for sure. And I really respect the you know his path from IGN writer to creator. So uh, I wonder how how much easier it would have been for him maybe with the dreams back uh, when he was doing things. It's just like go from IGN writer to uh, creating something. Uh, as he he was just picked up by like uh, I think Jade Raymond. Um, uh, he messaged her after Battlefront One came out, I believe, and he just said, "Hey, if you need someone to help writing, so that's one avenue. Dreams can be another of creating like." bridging this thing a bit suddenly out of nowhere i'm a dev you know i'm i'm a writer i'm contributing to a game uh i think yeah i have a lot of respect for mitch that way for sure um so i've just put them together respawn um it for me from what i've seen the guy the titanfall guys you know ea bought them out recently uh it feels as though it'll be a um uh, set in the prequel era, uh, I think, uh, just from seeing just that brief little segment of um, lightsaber combat, it could be set in the sequel, who knows, but I have this feeling that it's going to be um, one of the main ways that Sawas finally sort of re-acknowledges that sort of um, older period, and um, yeah, um, that's I'm very curious about these two, so anything else before we move on from Star Wars, guys? Uh, it's okay, no. you can go on. Yeah, Francesco, did you have anything <laughs> on that at all? No, no, no. You can go on. Gonna talk about Star Wars a bit more? Yeah? Uh, listen to a little bit, uh, you discuss uh, the microtransactions? Uh, gonna... <laughs> I love how you start the podcast, how you start the podcast all serious, like, greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome Sorry. to this episode. And, and then we end up on this. <laughs> listen. Life's life is about moments. No, life is about all kinds of things. Yeah. All kinds. I just, I couldn't get through my day without non sequitur, like... Uh, friggin', you know, free association, stream of consciousness. Yeah, that's stuff. what I love. It. That's what <laughs> I dig it, man. No, absolutely. I know where my core is at. Core is at, and like, and like, it's it's definitely in that endeavor of like furthering and, and celebrating the medium from that point of view. But I can't help it. I gotta, gotta, man. Uh, I watch too much Family Guy anyway. Um, also, just a shout out to Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> this guy, he's like creates this fucking super crass, like fart filled, all these things. He's a fucking ballroom singer. 
He's like Fred Astaire quality, just singing and like killing it. Great talented writer. Um, donates to a bunch of charities, and he's like, yeah, America's laughing at itself. All I'm doing is holding up a mirror to them, literally. So great. So yeah. he's this again has these depths this depth to him as well so I resonate with that guy fuck ton I would love to see Seth uh, MacFarlane make a game right oh yeah. guys we have after this we have Final Fantasy 16 and then Final Fantasy 7 remake what are you guys at where are you guys at with Final Fantasy are you happy to let it sleep for a while okay um, I gotta say I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan and I was really really disappointed by Final Fantasy 15 just because like, you, just don't, you just don't like boy bands okay so what's wrong with you you didn't like, no, you didn't like uh, Black Backstreet Boys you didn't <laughs> like NSYNC huh I, I know that um, <laughs> they said the director made a choice Tabata made a choice to tell the story a certain in a certain way um, I didn't like that choice I mean some people might have not many as I know but um, yeah. I can understand that but Final Fantasy games have always been uh, heavily reliant on story. And the story in Final Fantasy XV was a little bit delusional. I mean, it wasn't so well explained. It was, um, there were plot holes which YouTubers had to fill with their theories. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't like that style. I mean, it's a style that um, is more appropriate to a Dark Souls game or a Bloodborne. Mm. Um, not to a Final Fantasy, in my opinion. Mm. But that's just my opinion. I mean, I I hope um, they they get a, they get back to the Final Fantasy proper style with the uh, 16. And uh, about the 7 remake, well, I don't know what they're planning. I know they plan to do a lot of real time combat, like in Final Fantasy 15, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Um. I just hope I just hope they don't lose sight of the original, mm. not too much anyway. Absolutely. I mean, I'm fine with changes and everything, but uh, there are some core values to Final Fantasy VII that have to be kept. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, how about you, Francesco, with Final Fantasy? I agree with uh, Daniel about uh, Final Fantasy XV. Uh, it was not a a good game. It was still a, a good game, but uh, you're also seeing the, the, the treatment that they uh, giving it with uh, all these DLCs, uh, the expansions. Uh, um, I I don't like it so much. Uh, so I hope that they take a little bit of time to reorganize themselves for the for for Final Fantasy 16. Mm. And about the seven remake, uh, I'm. I'm excited um, about it. We have seen, uh, we haven't seen much. We have seen something. I really hope to see more very soon because uh, it's, it's becoming um, uh, a new The Last Guardian. Yeah. <laughs> there, is, there is nothing to discuss about it. that and also Resident Evil Remake 2. They are two games that uh, they have announced, but uh, they haven't talked uh, about much. Yeah. Uh, the um, the action gameplay, not the the turn based one, uh, to me it's fine. Mm. So yeah, I hope I hope for for the best for Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually hoping that, as you said, Daniela, like 15 for me, um, it'll always have a special place for me because um, it was for a long time it was like, uh, projects announced in 2006 that came out in 2016. Um. Last Guardian and Final Fantasy XV. I sort of um, remember following those, the, the development of those two. Um, 
Last Guardian is, is as I mentioned, that that sort of like it's in my heart. Final Fantasy 15, the series, absolutely, I resonate with so much. It it connects with me on on multiple levels. Um, has done so much towards, uh, you know, like Final Fantasy 8, for example. Um, they, that that that. Well, I don't know. What, I don't want to. Okay, actually, no, screw it. It's a bit of an old game, so like spoilers. Um, for Final Fantasy 8, um, 1998, I think it came out. Um. Even not even the, the biggest spoilers, but it, there's this a, this this through line of um, this aspect of amnesia to the story, um, which I I remember doing some. Uh, I just remember it was such a fascinating uh, story aspect of of just that un- unveiling uh, the narrative that way. I think Christopher Nolan should direct the Final Fantasy VIII movie, <laughs> you know, like Memento <laughs> style. Um, yeah, for sure. No, I really appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I have this connection to the earlier games. Fifteen for me was I remember for a long time I was like, this is this is it. This is the Breath of the Wild kind of the the fulfillment, the expression of what we're building towards. I I really think um for me uh, it took a little bit of a different turn to that. It's a phenomenal technical achievement. Um, great uh, lore that I found quite interesting. The sort of lore of the world. The the I remember being obsessed with like the, the like how beautifully presented the arc. I, I call them Archeans for they were known as Archeans for a while uh, before it was confirmed that they were called Astrals. Uh, no one can argue that 15 summoning sequences are, are the best. That they make you like they make a tear roll down my cheek. Like Ramu when you summon him in 15. Oh n- rather yeah you don't even summon him. Like he appears when he will. Like and you just click that button. Um, it's the the chorus like Yokoshima Mura's music of that. Uh, it's phenomenal, and and I just I jump in because it is a like jumping into like the regalia and turning off the HUD. It's this for me. It's this walking into a dream and also riding chocobos in that. It's it's the sort of thing that again say you guys. Uh, say you and I, uh, uh, Daniela and Francesco, on like the playground in 1998. Wouldn't it be great? Just like dreaming towards the sky of like, no, 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 guys, not just video games. I'm talking like stepping into a movie. I'm talking. I remember when like um, Advent, not Advent Children, the uh, Spirits Within came out. I was like turning to my Italian friends in Montefiore where I grew up uh, in Le Marche. I was like, guys, one day we're going to be able to play in these graphics. You know, the, the Spirits Within, you know. Um, uh, oh, yeah. That's right. Um, Protagonist voiced by Alec Baldwin, by the way, um, and uh, uh, female protagonist voiced by Perry Gilpin from Frasier. Random, I know. And James Woods as the villain. Ugh, such a weird thing that happened with the spirits. Of it. Um, so all I want from 16 is learn from the lessons of 15 um, and just present something that just maybe maybe ties a little bit closer to like nine. Nine had this great kind of charm to it and. Um, I think you can balance the tones. I'm glad, like they went full bore. They they committed like fantasy based on reality, even though it's super fantastical. Just saying, um, and I just <laughs> loved the creature design as well for that one as well. So many elements I appreciated it on. But yeah, so um, seven remake. I just want uh, them to take again, just learn the lessons from fifteen, um, and and yes, yeah, just. Add add to the law, please do. Like, feel free to kind of use this opportunity of of um, of you know uh, adding to the story, maybe even even adding extra sequences. But you know, um, I would say almost do what like no spoilers by the way, but do what Last Jedi did. Um, be reverently irreverent. That's my kind of thesis for that. Uh, show respect, but also push boundaries. You know. So after Final Fantasy, we have Nino Kuni, which we talked about. After that, Monster Hunter World talked about it already. We have after that a game called Scorn, which is the interactive Beksinski surrealist or H.R. Geiger simulator. Have you guys heard of Scorn? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'll tell you more about it. It is. 
it is a it is a quite interesting game. Um, of course, it 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 is uh, early now to 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 have uh, strong opinions about it, but uh, for sure. A game in that environment that uh, takes so much from H.R. Geiger uh, art, mm. it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's like a dream coming true because having a game that is different from Alien, for example, Alien yeah. Isolation. Um, now, with Scorn, we have uh, um, we have some some something new set in that universe, mm. and uh, I also want to see how they are going, uh, where they are going. With the uh, with the narrative, with the storytelling, because I heard that it's not there are no cutscenes, there are no dialogues. Yeah, it's all uh, it's it's a lot like uh, Dark Souls, if not to even more uh, hidden than uh, mm. the, than Dark Souls. There is a it will be a, a quite interesting game and a quite ambitious project it for is. sure. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, Daniela, just a brief little uh, elevator pitch as well for Scorn. Yeah, it's an interactive HR Geiger painting in 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 every way. Um, some people have said it's an interactive tool video because <laughs> you know how they can be um, very like visceral and um, and just uh, con- confronting imagery. But I read an interview with the the, the developer of Scorn, and he said, um, "So what was it evidenced in Beksinski's? Uh, he's a." Um, I think Zladislaw Beksinski, um, please look up his art. It's very moving, very haunting, um, nightmarish surrealism, but uh, a different kind of riff to the more kind of overtly sexual um, and uh, biomechanical Geiger. So it's this sort of marriage between these two surrealists. Both of both of these uh, guys um, had this uh, uh, essentially like... Um, you know, practice of portraying without, as in like on the outside, what is within, um, and having that be the confronting kind of uh, symbolism there of the interviewer, um, sorry, the uh, developer of Scorn, he said, we want to explore that. Like, why why do we revile what essentially gives us life? Like organs, they're so gross to look at. They really are. They're disgusting. And vessels, blood, all this internal stuff. But without it, we'd, we wouldn't be alive. Um, so it's yeah, purposefully showing this kind of confrontational imagery to kind of make a commentary on how we hide and and we 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 sort of we sort of um find repulsive something that is so intrinsic to life and so it's like you know sort of put, putting you smack bang in this sort of symbolic yeah it's like a, an interactive painting I, I would really say um in that way and yeah that as you said Dark Souls kind of element of not no uh, cutscenes it's just for you to discover so I would definitely recommend it Daniela for sure. And they have, okay. uh, yeah, and I'm just going to go quickly to the game's site um, because they have this phenomenal word that, again, I need to mention it on this. I wouldn't be doing my duty um, if I didn't. So they have the part one uh, that's coming out called Dasein. I think, I hope I'm, to our German listeners, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. So part one, Dasein, uh, and if you look up what Dasein means, it is a German word that means being there or presence and is often translated into English with the word existence. So, mm. um, uh, in a fundamental concept, the exist in the existential philosophy of Heidegger, particularly in his magnum opus *Being and Time*, Heidegger uses the expression "Dasein" to refer to the experience of being that is peculiar to human beings. Thus, it is a form of oh, being. Yes. yeah, it's a form of being that is aware of and must confront such issues such as personhood, mortality, and the dilemma or paradox of living in relationship with other humans while being ultimately alone with oneself. So that is my fucking jam right there. Um, 
resonates with <laughs> so much of, of what we've been talking about on this episode which is speaking of which going quite long we're at two hours and 30 are you guys holding strong yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the resilience of the Italians that will never fail to impress me. <laughs> you can learn a hundred things after a year of being with them. I, I just fucked up the the Gandalf, <laughs> the Gandalf quote. Wait, wait, wait. After a year, you can learn a hundred things, and after a day, they can surprise you or something. Anyway, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So after that, we have Faye. It's how it's pronounced. F E is the is the title. It's a uh, one of um, EA's. Uh, uh, same thing as um, Yarny and, and was it Unravel, I believe. They have this um, studio dedicated to uh, these um, more uh, indie kind of projects. Um, you play a kind of little black kind of cat type creature, almost a bit like a, a negativized um, Ori from Ori in the Blind Forest. And it's sound based, I believe. It's uh, it's sort of this beautiful surreal. Have you guys heard of it, Faye? Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, Daniela? I did not. That's okay. I'll send you a link later. So what did you think, Francesco? Uh, I think that uh, after Unravel, um, EA, is, EA is doing it. Maybe the only thing that they're doing uh, right right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with uh, with these with uh, smaller projects. Also a way out. Uh, I think it's part of this uh, program mm. that they're doing with uh, smaller developers. And uh, it's a way to to give a, a voice to these uh, s- small developers that otherwise would, uh, wouldn't be at E3 or Gamescom or PlayStation Experience or mm. other events like that. So it's a, it's a good thing uh, Absolutely. For, for the industry. I agree, yeah. Also, as a Danielle, you'll see it straight away. A very distinctive palette, very... Lots of dark, sort of like blacks and and like stark whites and purples as well. It's um, very, very interesting. It's certainly something that I'd be able to recognize um, in a crowd for sure. After that, we have Left Alive, the surprise Yoji Shinkawa affiliated um, project, uh, which is, he's he's the lead designer on that one. He's the lead designer on Death Stranding. Um, I'm interested in this. We've only had a poster about it, right? And a mini teaser as well, I believe. (laughs) Mm. Oh, a minute yeah. yeah, yeah. And so. ten, 10 seconds of gameplay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, uh, look, Yoji is a, is a kindred. He, he had big influence on me, uh, like with my sort of draftsmanship. Um, although, to a degree, I think I maybe interpreted it wrong. What he does is, in a really artful and beautiful way, is able to, pr- is able to depict anatomy so accurately and poetically. I sadly took this route of like, oh, I can just sort of stay really sketchy and abstract, and I never really learned. However, he's a master at anatomy. He might be really abstract and kind of very loose with his style, but you see, he's, he's a, a technical designer too, so he's a great enigma of a man, uh, a really kindred uh, human being as well, for sure. Uh, alongside Kojima as well. Um, after Left Alive, we have Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which has been essentially pre-announced due to that leak. Have you guys heard of this? Uh, it was uh, the developer on the subway working on it, and uh, yeah. So- yeah. someone took a photo, yeah, of his laptop. So look, uh, I I think they're doing phenomenal things. Ados uh, with uh, Shadow of the uh, Tomb Raider. I think it's self-evident. Um, but I. I would be remiss if I didn't mention at this point where, you know, the ADOS connection, Crystal Dynamics, um, I have such high hopes. It's not even on the list, but I just hope in my heart that things like, as you said, like Medieval Crash, I really hope this leads to a remake for Soul Reaver and a sequel as well. Guys, Soul Reaver, that game. Shakespeare with vampires. (laughs) Right? That was right next to uh, Medieval. It was my my 1998 
that that title for sure, or 999. Um, yeah, what did you guys think of Soul Reaver back when it came out? Sorry, guys, but I have to go right now. <laughs> oh, ci vediamo, guys. Thank you. Oh, you, you, you. Thank you so much, Francesco. You take good care, okay? Yeah, thank you. Thank yes. you so much for such, having me today. Such a pleasure. Was, uh, and I'm sorry I went long. Thank you long. for being here. That's, by the way, the reason... Pleasure for all mine, yeah. Yeah, the reason why we went long is, is like, we just struck up so many, like, kindred like-minded things, but I'm sorry if I've kept your schedule at all. No, don't worry. Yeah. All right, you take care. Thank you again for having me. And yes. can't wait to join you uh, next in the week. next episode. Awesome. Ciao, Francesco. Great to meet See. you as well. Ciao. 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 Awesome. All right, we got it. We, made, we almost made it all the way through. We only have about ten more. Uh, I'm really, really, yeah. <laughs> why not? Like it's it's the debut episode. Go lo- go go long, and I I'm certain that like again, one one thing I've I've known for some, uh, like some people like quite enjoy putting like podcasts on dedicated to just like listen to the content as well. But um, I I hope we've sort of struck a, a mixture of like informative, but also like just pleasant background noise. Who knows uh, how people, it's totally up to however people do these things. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's a good thing. I don't know many games. So you explain them to me yeah. and to the audience as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Again, the reason why I developed this list was to just uh, to give, like just to do a sort of timestamp of where my, uh, relationship with this medium is at now and where I when I say and I talk about this forefront that I mentioned of like adding these dimensions to games and furthering them and expanding them and growing them uh, that it's like okay well I'll walk my talk <laughs> these are these are the, all the titles that make me feel that way um, so after Left Alive we have yeah Shadow of the Tomb Raider we have after that we have We Happy Few have you heard about this? Oh yes yeah that was really interesting but I've heard uh, I mean when I first saw the first trailer, I think it was an E3 a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, it looked very promising. Mm. Um, but uh, I've I've heard I, I haven't seen gameplay, but I've heard that the gameplay is a bit um, delusional, maybe. Yeah, it's very. Um, That's what I've read on the psychedelic. internet. Psychedelic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I have mixed feeling about it. Um, I think I'll definitely give it a try. Yeah, for sure. I think um, purely from a world-building point of view and just aesthetically, it just feels like Nightmare Austin Powers almost, you know? Um, kind of and mixed with Bioshock oh, yeah. a bit. Yeah, so I think it could be interesting to, to check out how that goes, for sure. Uh, speaking of nightmares, we have Call of Cthulhu after that. So a straight-up adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's um, uh, world, you know, and, and like um, and universe. Beautiful. I've, I've seen these screenshots that just... You know, I'm sure it has folks like myself and then Guillermo del Toro, other people who uh, have resonated with Lovecraft's works. Even though he was, look, let's just, I like to call him out, like, playfully as well, but also with good reason, like, kind of bigoted, kind of racist, xenophobic, channeled all of that into this, mm. this, this, these, um, these uh, visions of um, uncaring gods and, uh, you know, um, insignificance of the human race in, in on a cosmic scale. But again, I mean, read something like Beyond the Wall of Sleep, and there's these tinges of hope and and uh, believing in the best of humanity as well. It's crazy. So very polarizing, very intriguing author. So to see his work come to life that way, amazing. After that, we have Play Dead's new game, the sequel or rather spiritual successor to Inside and Limbo. So what did you think of those two titles, and are you looking forward to the new one? I've been playing uh, Limbo. Yeah. I didn't play Inside. But uh, I really liked Limbo a lot. Mm. It, it was uh, so... <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah. It was so unique. Definitely. Um, and uh, great experience and great gameplay. 
Yeah. Um, the tone of the world, the graphics, the sounds, it was all so harmonic yeah. in its own way. Mm. And uh, yeah, totally so I'm that. really looking forward to everything that's coming out of that developer. Play Dead, one of the most kindred developers for me. Um, so minimalist, um, you know, uh, inside head overtones of kind of Orwell as well. Imagery wise, it's like this again don't want to spoil anything but there's certain iconography from inside that have immediately cemented themselves in my kind of consciousness of when i think of a, a game that in the most simple strokes uh makes creates this experience that engages your uh you just care for that boy you care for these protagonists that you control this em this empathy you feel and yet this um yeah the, the the sort of desolation of those settings it's very very um sort of like um emotionally resonant for sure on, on that level um to see that uh, and then so much is communicated without dialogue and i think there's no dialogue in either of those titles so they've released one screenshot so far of the sequel uh, or rather sorry the spiritual successor uh it's on a mountaintop it's like a snowy mountaintop so um we'll see how that develops for sure wow uh, yeah no i i i can't wait i yeah i i feel the same way as you it's uh, you know you know with limbo how it's like about saving your little sister the the feelings it's 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 very visceral what what you feel when you're playing those titles um that i would equate to something like yeah um maybe watching a, like a, an avant-garde or like uh highly emotional um and like si almost like silent film you know that like uh -huh. i'm just thinking yeah like just play i'm just sort of playing inside over in my head uh, again about some of the things that happened uh it just it again it shocks you uh in this way that the best of art should you know i think they could clear out an entire floor from moma uh museum of modern art in and just say all this stuff is crap just put put consoles playing uh inside all on that floor and uh art will have you know um uh one well, art will have, uh, you know, made a made made a, made um a stride that day because um I feel like so many more um folks should um delve into something like what Playdead does. Absolutely, we have Bioshock Four after that. It is dormant Bioshock so far, 4. but uh, it has to be. I don't know. Dormant. It has to be. I don't know. Um, I didn't like Bioshock Two, okay. which was the only Bioshock game not developed by King Levin. Mm. So, um, I don't know, knowing that Ken Levin shut down Irrational Games and went on doing other projects, yeah. and knowing that they were developing Bioshock 4, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. On the one hand, I would love to uh, delve back into the world. Mm. But um, on the other hand, if it's not done in the proper way, I'm not really sure if I want it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's totally cool, man. I I I respect that. Um, yeah, I I I uh, I hold out hope. I really do. Um, for um, you know, I just want to see. I want to see what they do. Um, and I th I hope again that they've learned their lessons from um, you know, Bioshock Two, uh, in terms of you know, creating what for many was just something that wasn't as like uh, just resonant as as like the, you know. Uh, I wonder whether to spoil. It is a ten-year-old game, so yeah, the would the would you kindly aspect, you know, of uh, you know what that introduced in Bioshock One. So I, I hope that they're able to to do something similar. Um, after that, we have Metro Exodus. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, yeah, 
I am so swept off by the aesthetics and themes of Metro. Uh, <laughs> have you um, have you looked in it, into it at all, um, Daniela? I've seen the trailer, um, the gameplay trailer, and I've played the first Metro. Mm-hmm. But I got stuck because I had um, little oxygen in my mask, and it just auto saved the game like <laughs> twenty seconds before I died. Yeah. So, Every time I boot the game, I keep dying. So I, I should start it from the beginning. <laughs> that's awesome. But it's really, yeah. that's cool, man. I, I hope it. I don't know if it's an Xbox exclusive. I would love for it to come to PS4. If it does, I think it may be. We'll see. So no, because I, I don't know if our audience know, if our listeners know, but um, in Metro, you essentially have these masks uh, with oxygens that you have to wear when you go outside in yeah. the world, and uh, otherwise you'll die. Mm. And you have to check the oxygen every now and then. Mm. Um, and That's I failed right. to do that. <laughs> so I got stuck <laughs> in the game. That's hilarious, man. No, for sure. I I, um, I, I think I mentioned the aesthetics earlier, but the atmosphere as well of, of Metro um, is something that is... Uh, and, and also some of the themes are just... It's so... Oh my gosh. Like Another... another it's it's so great how all these like yeah post-apocalyptic titles are able to kind of carve out their own niche. I think Metro was instantly as soon as I saw it, it was instantly recognizable. Just that gas mask, you know. Um, I think that's part of its iconography. Oh, yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so then after that we have Kingdom Hearts three. Um, recently rumored to have a Monsters Inc. world. Uh, again, uh, how is it? Um, how does it sort of fit with an interactive artistry? Look no further than how. What is Kingdom Hearts? It is a dream. It's a dream come true that literally pushed boundaries in terms of like Final Fantasy plus Disney. Are you kidding me? We discussed this, I think, on earlier episodes. It's, yeah. it's again that that aspect of like a dream actually coming to life. But um, thanks to this, it's you know appearing at D23. It's it's pushing these boundaries of, of having people have this avenue. Like someone who's like, oh well, you know, who might be a um, a big uh, uh, aficionado of of Pixar's works, they see that it has the Toy Story world. They'll dive in. You know, it's a, a very much a game that is literally pierced through its its genre and and its medium um, to to kind of unite them all. And uh, it's it's also endearing how the uh, character models for the Toy Story um, level are of a higher resolution than the ones in the actual film. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fantastic. I think that's been the case for a while. It was the same for um, Battlefield 2, actually, Battlefront 2. They've, uh, you know, the assets that they've used, like the droids have more. I think that's something I read, that they have um, uh, higher polygonal counts um, than the ones used in the film, which is super endearing. So anything to add to Kingdom Hearts 3, my friend? Well, I'm looking forward to it. Um carefully but yes. because uh, Square Enix uh, I didn't like Final Fantasy 15 so I don't know if they're taking a similar direction I hope not because Kingdom Hearts fans like myself want answers yes. and uh, yeah <laughs> I, I really I really hope they do uh, deliver them yeah no I, I agree and I yeah I have essentially low key I had low key uh, keep later pun ha I low key uh, sort of um uh, sort of stepped out of Kingdom Hearts from after I, I'm the worst. Why are we friends? Um, I, 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 I look, he's just like stepped away from Kingdom Hearts after two. I was like, I want to see the sequel. I know they've made so many uh, in between and that are take place before and after. And um, I'm 
fascinated by yeah. those. I I find the lore to have become this big, beautiful. I'm sure even the most ed, like diehard um, Kingdom Hearts fan would admit that it's like a beautiful mess uh, of tang- tangled storylines, which is wonderful. But I'd love to see a satisfying next chapter, a numbered chapter for sure. Um, after that, we have uh, Scorn's. Um, companion game which is can you even imagine something gro- being grosser uh there's the more poignant kind of as we mentioned that dasein aspect of scorn and then you have agony have you looked at agony buddy at um, all? no i don't know if i want you to look at agony it's okay. fucking it's fucking terrifying man it is uh the absolute vision of nightmare hell so I'm talking like doorways composed of like enormous human teeth and gums. The floor is made out of like cartilage and bone. Uh, there are demons around that have like giant pincers for faces and it's like purgatory and they're like hands reaching out to you. It's literally a one-to-one depiction of hell itself and you are a lost soul uh, making your way through hell that you can like become a demon and everything. Why is it on the list? It is because it is pushing literally the boundaries, sometimes the boundaries of um, stomach ability, uh, but it still merits uh, a place on this list and in this show because damn it if that isn't something that, you know, uh, art should do. It should confront the fuck out of you. It should shock you in many ways. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, And uh, yeah, definitely look into Agony. I won't be able to play it for long. I'm sure I'll have to sort of take breaks. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely worthwhile for sure. Um, Conan Exiles we have after that. For me, I just have a resonance with uh, um, that with that universe and uh, I want to see it. Um, it's, yeah, it's had its sort of beta tests and everything, um, the online uh, sort of uh-huh. people, people like preview, previewing it. it. It does have an official release later. Um, and I, yeah, Robert E. Howard, I think oh my gosh is that his name who created conan quickly oh my gosh conan uh, the barbarian i don't know conan <laughs> barbarian writer it is it is come on oh as if come on i put in my freaking autocorrect conan, conan barbarian writer go 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 that is crazy <laughs> what why is my phone not working robert e howard i got it right uh, i thought i honestly i was worried that i'd like you know robert e lee it's like no <laughs> don't <laughs> okay so okay so no i'm i'm looking forward to that because um you know him and hp lovecraft like wrote to each other it was great you know that like this guy who was like a, used to be a boxer and like writing about the sword and like again created the sword and sorcery genre you know high fantasy is one thing with tolkien sword and sorcery is like the frank frazetta tastic kind of like conan the barbarian stuff um and i just yeah i want to uh-huh. see it yeah i want to see it realized in, in a way that um you know that that it deserves for sure so um do you have any like links and like a fascination for conan at all like the that universe um no not really i've never been into it but um i've heard great things about it i'll give you a, a mini uh, elevator pitch so in conan exiles you can like summon giant deities like that are relevant to the lore and stuff to like stamp on your enemies and stuff and they can be like a giant colossus and like a giant snake and stuff and it's totally totally open world and um yeah i'll, I'll send you a link uh definitely so many cool. for show then i have um brutal legend 2 we'll just like fly past that because i just oh, i know i really hope i really hope that Me game too. exists <laughs> You know, I, I'm sure, like, as they're, you know, developing Psychonauts 2, uh, there's so much interest in Brutal Legend 2 and wanting to see that kind of, again, be fulfilled uh, in what it wasn't able to kind of pull off completely with the first game. Um, Tim Curry as the villain, amazing. I loved it. So many guest appearances. Uh, 
um, I think possibly the last voice acting role, first and last voice acting role for Lemmy Kilmeister. Um, this is the place where I, I'm so glad I remembered because bringing up Lemmy, I have uh, coming up on the show, I wanted to sort of give a mini preview. I have a kindred spirit that I, I met uh, through the, the fantastic, um, super eclectic, wider community that is Reddit. And um, he is developing a game based on a, not a Motorhead game, but uh, it's uh, this band called The Sword. Um, and um, I was just sort of going through Reddit and I just discovered this guy, his name's Justin, and he is creating a game. And I want to dis discuss this with him. And I'd love to have you on the show too, Daniele. He is creating a game sure. uh, based on this album. And I'm like, we need that. We need a studio. And I'm like, Justin, do it, create it. Be that guy. Be that studio. I want to see a Pink Floyd The Wall game. I want to see a um, Led Zeppelin game uh, that explores that imagery that's conjured. You know, I want to play. You know, if you think about a an album as like you know a track listing, I want to play uh, When the Levee Breaks the game, the level. I want to uh, please. Like that's such a beautiful forefront, uh, a frontier rather actually, of of untapped potential. I want to see Mastodon games. I want to see Meshuggah games. Uh, that all just basically jump into the lyrics and bring them to life. Um, so he's doing this with the, the sword and um, uh, really looking forward to his, his work there. So um, please look forward to that on an upcoming episode in January. Uh, I had to do that. Sorry uh, to take a little tangent. Didn't want to forget the guy. He's uh, he's super kindred. That's then, good. Yeah, for it's sure. great, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, have you ever thought of a, like a, a musical album you'd like to see kind of become a game, uh, Daniele? Yeah. Definitely. Um, Diamond Dogs by David Bowie. Oh, we already have that. It's called Metal Gear Solid Five. I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, no, no. I, oh, oh my, are you kidding me? I just seriously consider that my face is just these giant like dinner plates of my eyes have just gone wide. Um, I need. I, no, 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 Daniela. I, I physically, bodily need a David Bowie game. Like I didn't yeah. realize how much I needed that until this moment. You know, I, I need the Ziggy Stardust level. I need the Aladdin Sane level. Uh, ooh. Oh, maybe entire games dedicated to each album. We need to riff about that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's this untapped frontier, so that'll be really cool. So Brutal Legend 2, Indivisible comes after that. Um, really fast. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard of this one? No. So I will quickly... I just want to... <laughs> Indivisible. I feel really ignorant today. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. And No, it's fine. And I want to read actually from his description because I really... I really dig it. So it's um indivisible upcoming action role-playing game independently developed by Lab Zero Games and 505 Games who helped um, uh, Matt Nava with uh, Abzu. Beautiful, beautiful side-scrolling um, RPG. Uh, it's, um, okay. yeah, think of it as like, um, you know, it's it, it, Yeah, yeah, it, it's almost like an anime come to life in, in many ways and has a bit of shared DNA with Avatar The Last Airbender, so beautiful okay. um bloodstained ritual of the night for me i just need to see what um Iga does with uh, the castlevania formula uh, what with his own ip um owlboy coming out um it's already been released but i want to see it on switch and also on ps4 i hope it's coming there we'll see <laughs> um banner saga 3 um aesthetically that's i just i think it's meritorious of being on this list for that alone i really want to see again um I just think it's a beautiful achievement of like hand-drawn uh, RTS kind of um, strategy stuff. Secret of Mana, you saw some of the remake stuff there with that at all, um, Daniele? Um, I've seen some, some screenshots, I think, um, and it looked really good. Yeah, 
I absolutely. Uh, I haven't played the main game, but um, yeah. Yeah, I have fond memories of that one. Um, I think you'd love it, personally, definitely. Okay. Um, now let's end strong. So I think you brought this up uh, earlier, my friend. Um, so first, 59 is Overkill's The Walking Dead, which just had a cinematic trailer, which in many, from many angles just looks straight up photoreal. So I have, you know, not an aversion, but I just very... Uh, yeah, just let's say limited interest so far in, in sort of like zombie kind of stuff. Um, the fact that it's on this list is a testament to, you know, again, I say that when something's well made enough, it'll transcend genre uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and sort of interest me if it's done well enough. Um, so that's that. And then we have number 60, uh, last one, Resident Evil 2 remake. Okay, right? yeah. And you bring Another that... remake, um, which I think a lot of people are looking forward to. Yeah, I really dig that. For sure. Um, did you play the original? Um, yeah, I played it, but I didn't finish it. Okay. But um, I really loved its style, its art style. Yeah. It was really almost mesmerizing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of mesmerizing, I'm mesmerized at the fact that it is almost three hours. We're at 2.59.30, my friend. Um, wow. Uh, I've expressed this before. Makes me sappy, makes me kind of lame. Maybe who cares? I don't really care. Uh, I really appreciate you being on the show, uh, Daniela, to riff this stuff with me. I really do. Well, it's great being on the show. <laughs> for sure, man. Thank so, you for having me. For sure. Too many more. <laughs> Let's close things out, guys. So um, this took the turn of you know going down this list of like, again, as I said, it was important for me to walk my talk on that. I can't just talk about the top five. Uh, and in fact, even 60 is barely enough to, to sort of describe um, some of these titles. I didn't even mention, uh, you know, uh, some of the ones we talked about that like Old Man's Journey. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the stuff that, like, Lewis talked about um, on that episode 9, I believe, or 8. It would have had to have been before, yeah. Definitely before the mm. Game Awards, we talked about some of these amazing worthwhile indies. It was important for me to, to sort of share this uh, with you uh, on this debut episode um, of which titles I feel are on that forefront to varying degrees and, and in various ways. I'm so glad to have you have contributed to, um, uh, to that discussion, Daniela, for sure. <laughs> thank well, you too easy awesome so um again uh we took a very long tangent there it ended up being a, no it's not really a tangent it's own dedicated segment there to just saying you know this is what this is episode ones of of shows need to sort of state what they are and i feel like we've effectively i humbly feel like we've effectively done that um usual yeah. shows will be for for where we put this big list there will be news on all of on a handful of these titles um if there is prominent if for example we won't be scrounging for god of war news when there's plenty of sky news or we won't be uh trying to piece together beyond good and evil news uh that isn't very interesting if we have a massive amount of like call of cthulhu news sort of thing you know so we'll um mm-hmm. we'll jump in and sort of report on these titles variously um yeah um and so again i put it here and then you know again according to the structure after the news we would have the main topic today's main topic ended up being uh just these games and we sort of each ha- had a moment to discuss the all-encompassing that's why i've named this title uh this title this episode the all-encompassing and all-encompassing medium um and i have here in my notes using the game awards as a guideline games are the most wide-reaching medium uh the with the widest spectrum of tones like from kitty games like you know job simulator to stuff like heavy rain and like back in the old days like uh snuff or whatever it was uh, that rockstar game about snuff videos it was crazy um so we do have the widest ranging um creative medium i believe humbly that we're able to kind of explore these different aspects and um 
And then, yeah, as I mentioned, thanks to that interactive aspect that it shares with life uniquely, games can literally encompass all aspects of life. Um, so where other mediums, yeah, are limited in that way. So that was to be our main topic. We covered that variously. After that, we will have on regular shows, we'll have community Q&A. So every week before recording, we post on our Twitter for you guys to write in your comments on this week's in games that are on the forefront of the overall growth of games, uh, and as in the interactive medium. And this is the segment where we read those out. Um, I checked on the Twitter post. Uh, I have our amazing uh, patron, uh, Dragon's Manor, who has liked the post. No one's commented. That's totally fine. So we'll see from episode two onwards uh, about that. <laughs> totally fine. Easy. Um, so we'll just uh, segue into the sign-off now. Um, and did you have anything kind of for our listeners before I do the sign-off, buddy? No, I just hope people will like um, this podcast as much as they liked the Death Stranding one. Yeah. Um, which had really positive comments on youtube i keep checking every now and then yeah. and keep saying thank you to people who nice. say good job guys i love other hosts and yeah really it's humbling it's humbling really and oh, thank really you for so. doing this oh, albert <laughs> you're too kind man like i said it really does it's, it it sort of creates itself it's it's all coming from that worthwhileness of the medium uh but yeah no i appreciate that for sure dude um and i'm so glad to see the commenters as well people engaging with um investing in being and and showing their interest in the show and supporting it like all of them uh, all of you guys um thank you so much uh, really dearly thank you yeah to close out the show, we at Interactive Artistry are always looking to improve and streamline the show and Interactive Artistry as a whole so we can make it the best and sort of be-all, end-all destination for showcasing the most worthwhile games and creators that contributing to the overall growth of the medium. With that in mind, if you have any suggestions for us, please do email interactiveartistry at gmail.com or contact us via Twitter at interactartist or visit our nearly newly created um, site, interactiveartistry.org. And we'd be glad to incorporate your constructive feedback. If you'd like to make sure the show continues and to help us grow and enter cool giveaways, please head to patreon.com forward slash interactiveartistry like our awesome um, listener Steve did and uh, Dragon's Minor as well, uh, contributing through the um, Podbean link as well. You can do that, so through Patreon Podbean. Um, that's me. Uh, that's me done, everyone. Uh, once again, thank you all for listening and uh, being part of uh, the growth of this medium um have a lovely remainder of the week and uh yeah till next time the idea of kratos being able to change because of his child that idea of how much of our selves our real selves do we show our children and how much of what we do changes when we know we have a mirror reflecting our flaws back at us. But I think for people to really see truly that we were trying to do something different, we just had to zig when they expected us to zag. Teaching is kind of an important aspect of the game, passing on of knowledge from father to son. It's interesting because this character that we've been so familiar with, seeing him kind of start to make different decisions, seeing him struggle. He has this God side and this human side, two things that were never meant to coexist together. The son is teaching him how to be human. It's, it's bringing out that sort of closeted humanity that he stamped down. When we set out to build this game, we wanted to show gamers what the next generation of gaming was going to be like. It meant that we needed to build a new experience. The camera lenses we use are similar to the lens that we use if you were shooting a movie. Lens curvature on the screen because of the camera lens. There's chromatic aberration because there's separation of color that happens naturally through a lens. It's those imperfections that make you feel like something is alive.
One thing that was extremely unique experience for me as someone who's done this with films, television, and books mostly, in fact, for some reason, the storyline as well as the philosophical underpinnings, when you're playing the game and controlling the character, or you know that the person next to you is controlling it, it sticks in your mind even deeper than a great work of literature or a cinematic uh, masterpiece. Well, that's the benefit of making this game, is that we knew we could leverage interactivity. We knew we could leverage mechanics It's something completely unique to video games. No other kind of form medium can get you to feel that kind of connection to another character. We wanted to create some very, very beautifully rendered, very engaging emotionally, choice-based game to have the tonality and the uh, emotionality of the films. At every stage in the design process, hone in on the core value, the core thing, the one piece of, of meaning that we really need to communicate through this work of art. Video games have the capacity to connect people and help them share their feelings, their thoughts, that shows their true creative spirit. I think everything has it, is an art. Everything human does has a potential to express. And they are all art. have um, a design process that does actually start with an emotion. And then we try and take all of the elements, a story, but also the visual language of the game and the audio and the interaction itself to feed that emotional journey.